Can you hear yourself in the microphone? Yeah, as weird as it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is a strange thing, oh. isn't it? It's what bugs me at work. Like, got the... You know, some planes will fly. You can hear yourself through the ICS. Yes. And then there's one or two. It's like you're hot micing or something. Yeah, but then there's one or two that you can't hear crap. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I've done it before. I've been sitting in there, and I have a tendency to yell through the damn mic anyway. I not never. not like you. <laughs> you. You on the other hand, if I could, you're a special case for that. <laughs> but I'll be sitting there, and I'll be going, I can't hear crap anyway. Yeah. And I'm going, I got fucking bad hearing. And I'm sitting there going, I can't hear myself talk. Like you know, you talk and you block your own ears, and you can you can hear the echo in your head. Yep. But you can't. It's frustrating. You just. I, I don't know if I'm saying the right thing. You got to build up the front. He's talking away. I'm like, I, th- I think they're hearing me. Bill's real quiet too. I reckon his headset something going on there. He always seems real quiet unless the. I think it's yeah. I think it's the so. headset that he's got because he picked that up for um from eight hours that we both know. Yeah. He, he fucked off to the airlines and well, that's all fucked up for him. But <laughs> but he's he had the headset and yeah same fucking shit. You could hear alright. So but it's just I think it's his mic. He's just super quiet. Okay. But that's Bill. Yeah. yeah, he's the opposite of us. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> was it, well, I had the plane the other day when I was carrying on and I, I was talking out loud, the ICS it was, cut, was it breaking. Was cutting <laughs> our headsets out. I was breaking the ICS. Oh, oh who uh, was, I can't, remember, uh, I can't remember the captain was, but they'd, they'd gone out on the actual radios mm. and we'd said something down the back, we've all lost it, you've just gone booming through, and they heard it through their headset over the, um, over the intercom apparently. <laughs> It's worth it though. Like, it's come a on. long road ahead. <laughs> Look, Do you know where that comes from, right? So that comes from when we when I joined the army. Like when they when you're going through your training, you know they especially infantry training. Yeah, they tell you to be loud, speak loudly because you that builds confidence, right? Yeah, right. Speak loudly and clearly, and you know, and if you're training to do a section attack or something like that. And you're popping off rounds, and, and I mean, it's hectic. There's a lot of crap going on, you know. And this is just in training. You can only imagine what it's like in the real, doing the real thing. So, you know, they just say, speak loudly and clearly, and it builds confidence. And I just took that to the next level. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, all you heard was just speak loudly. Yeah, yeah. You know, up, check, I'm good. Check! <laughs> 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 Hello, my name is. Yeah. Oh, that was gold that day. Oh man, I thought there was—I literally thought there was something wrong with my headset when you're going, you're going Burko, and it's like, oh no, everyone's hearing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just when you tell a story, just get into it, you know. Fuck yeah, why not? Yeah, hey, look, you got to have fun. If I—I've never understood the people like you got to go to work. If you're not having fun while you're at work, fuck off. Yeah, go find something else. Like everyone, I mean, don't, don't worry, everyone's got bad days. Like I've had days of right up and gone, fuck, I don't want to be. Here. <laughs> I really can't say that, or I shouldn't get upset about that. I work two days a week if I'm lucky. Mm. So I really can't go there that one day I'm there and I, yeah, I'm yeah. Go home. But yeah. everyone has You catch days. yourself too, don't you? You're like, oh, I really don't want to be here today. Second day this week. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much so. Very much uh, so. But then, you know what I mean? Like, like, if you're getting there every day, it's like, this is bullshit, this is bullshit, this is bullshit. It fucking gets through everyone else around you and it's just that, that's an insidious yeah. feeling. Well, I had that at my old job when I was working at the betting center. Like, that was already a high-stress environment. You got people... You got guys calling up me, you know, they're watching a live sport. I want to get this bet on, get this bet on. And they're just fucking hounding you over the phone and yeah. guys are stressing out. It's a noisy environment because everyone's beside each other. Mm. Um, shit, depending on what the sport is. I remember cricket. Uh, T20 fucking cricket is Burko. Yeah. You knew when the game would start because we just quiet. There'd be nothing in the call centre. And it, that, that old saying, the quiet before the storm. Yep. And you just look up the board, we had a bunch of TVs around the place, that, you know, showed how many people logged in, how many people waiting in queues and shit like that. You go, wait, wait. That'd be like five, ten. 50, 100, 400, 600, I think it maxed out at one day, and it's just, it goes red. That's people waiting in the queue to get through to you. Really? Just like that overnight, yeah. 
So this is a so tell me what what this is Betty's or like a betting betting center yeah so this is um so just is this pre being able to do everything on your phone or both is there still people that literally ring through to yeah to so place it's bets? actually the law in Australia so it's an anti gambling thing so what it used to be is anything but what they go um, pre game so pretty much anything before the sport goes live yeah you can do it over your phone. Okay. Because it's not really going to go up oh, and down. Oh, okay. Once, so once so you sport. can get sports bed or something on your phone. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, I mean, shit, you can book, you can bet on an AFL game next week. Yep. Because it's very rare that those odds are going to change too quickly. I'm going to bet that the Adelaide Crows are going to lose again. Oh, I'm pretty yes. certain, yes. <laughs> but when, it go, when a sport goes in play in Australia, the, the laws were at the time you had to physically talk to someone. So the idea was you'd, go, you'd call through, place your bet, and then different companies did it differently. But where I worked, um, you'd go and you'd read the whole thing back. So you make oh. sure you've got the right amount of money. Yep. They're betting on the right thing. You've got Because the right there is odds. literally money at stake. And so. big, big, big dollars. Yeah. Like, I, I've taken guys who have done 10 bucks, which was the lo- which is the lowest you could do over the phone. Okay. And I've taken ones for 100 grand. <sighs> yeah. Is there, is there like people out there that that have 100 grand, but they put it on damn near a sure thing and with very small odds? Like let's say it's, you know... You do get, to, you do get guys like, that do that. Okay. Um, because... They're gonna like it's you know th- there's not a big uh, margin or whatever you call it yeah margin. Um, so but because it puts so much money on it, like you put a hundred grand on what well, like one one in ten or something like that does that make hang on, I don't even know so yeah well, you can tell I'm not uh, really Australia about it. Um, Australia does but, decimal stuff okay so every so I've seen guys call through and put I've, I took one a dude put ten grand on I can't remember exactly what the odds were but it was like to win a thousand bucks okay so that's point one point oh one I think okay. That would technically be classified as a short bet, like an an even bet yeah. that could go either way. Yeah, um, you'd go as sort of one point eight. Okay. So if you see something about one point eight, it means the the traders, the guys that are setting those lines, bit unsure as to what way it's going to go. Once it starts going above that, yeah, you're sort of making your mark. Um, but you get guys do that all the time. Man, but you could still lose a hundred G's. Seen like, it happen. Oh, seen it happen. We had a guy. Our guarantee he was doing this with every bookie in uh. the joint. Um, Japanese baseball. Don't know why it was Japanese baseball, but that that was that was his thing. And I mean, I'll say this shit because I don't work there now. But we had ways of getting into the accounts. I was a team leader, so we could we could log in, have a look at past bets, future bets, and shit. Like normal person on the phone can't get access to this stuff. Okay, I'll do it for shits and giggles and more. I'll get there and just see what guys are betting on. And I, I was always looking at the dumb shit. The guys would place like a buck on something like a fifteen leg multi to try to win, you know, a million. I need to look at the, some of the random shits. They never come through, but I've seen them get to like. The fourteenth leg, they've won everything up until that point. It's right, one leg to go, and if they win it, they're going to fucking walk away with a million out of a buck, yeah. and it loses. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what would be worse—the fact that you're, eh, it's only a, a dollar, but you got so close. Yeah, but no, this, so this guy hit um, it was all Japanese baseball, and he would bet on runs over under in a set innings to go over or under two. You know, mm. you know, baseball's pretty slow to get to get the whole way through. Yep, but he got eighty grand. Just like that. Win or lose. And nine times out of ten, he won it. Uh. He did it really well. Um, and I can guarantee he was doing that with every bookie around the joint. Right. And I, I remember looking at him one day. Cause so you're going to make one bet with one... No, you can bet as many fucking times as you want. Oh, okay, right. But right. he'd be doing it across the board with all the different bookies. Yep. And what he'd probably be doing is he'd bet... So say with us, he'd go over two and a half in that innings. Mm-hmm. And another bookie, he'd go under. Oh, okay. So it sort of cancels so itself is that, out. is that basically what hedging your bets means? Yeah. Hedging you going on both sides of the lines. Right. I don't know why guys do it because you're losing either way. You'll break even because one bet's going to win. Right, one bet's right. going to lose. You're going to break even. Um, right. But I mean, if you're doing that... I, I feel like that's something that I would do because I'd be like... Because yeah. the, the sheer anxiety of losing. 
Yeah. Like, I don't care how the odd, like, I have betted before. So, many years ago, I got a sports bet account. Yeah. You know, when you could start doing it with apps on your phone. And I put $100 on it. And all I did was just for a bit of fun. So, I'd put, you know, $20 on. Uh, you know, a very simple because I don't know yeah, the full amount. Sort of of very basic stuff like I am putting twenty dollars on the Crows to win against Melbourne next week, yeah. right? And the odds are whatever they are. Yeah, so you're, not, you're not putting it on fucking like Dane Swan to kick six points in the fucking exactly in the first right. ten minutes of the third quarter, exactly. Which you can do with some companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so, and you know, I would sometimes I'd lose and then sometimes I win, but I was literally winning like five dollars here or ten dollars there yeah. or losing twenty dollars, and I kept that hundred bucks going. For, for quite a while until one day I got cocky. Yep. And that's, I, that's what right? happens. That's what happens. Everyone does it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I think the V8s or something, the V8 supercar. So I'm, you know, oh, I'm putting it on. Um, oh, man. I don't think I was even following Scotty McLaughlin then, but, you know, whoever it was, it, you know, Lounge or somebody, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm going to put it all on this bloke, you know, to come first or whatever. And, um, and just, you know, cooked it, obviously. <laughs> so, there go, so there goes my $100. But, and that was it. And then I, I think I end up just shutting the account down because it's like, oh, you know, I just don't it, want to blow. It becomes an addiction, and it's, yeah. it's really scary how quick it happens. Like again, old mate with the baseball, he was doing so well, and like I'm, I'm logging in and going, motherfucker, you're taking twenty five grand a day out of your account. Like, and that's the ashes his winnings. He's like, you're putting eighty thousand dollars on something. He's going, oh, I'm a hundred grand up for the day. I'm a hundred and twenty grand up for the day, and he's just doing that over. God. Again, guarantee he's doing that through fucking multiple companies. Uh. And then... Got to spend money to make money. We, ended, we actually ended up shutting him down for gambling issues. So we hit a day. So all, of, all the guys up here are trained to identify some, a pattern. You, you hear the same guys all the time. You're always getting the same customers come through. So you learn people after a while. There's one dude just by his accent. Didn't even have to fight, Didn't even have to get his name. As soon as you hear this, start talking. In his account number, you're in. Still got to ask normal questions. Right. But you knew who he was. Yeah, yeah, like that. yeah. But this guy... It's so, just like, yeah, Joe from... I don't even know. It's, it's like, bam, I know who you are. Because it was the only dude who sounded like that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, so this guy's come through and we're... One of the guys, so I was a team leader at the time, I was on the phones. Um, and one of the one of the customers, so after a while you get really big spenders, they go to a set group of advisors called Key Accounts. These guys are a little bit um, a little bit extra in their service. Uh, people. Because... These guys are losing a lot of money with us. We want to make them keep losing money with well, us. Well, and also you, that, presumably the, the, these companies take a bit of the winnings. No. Is that how it works or no. not? So how they work is when, when a bookie's setting a line, they generally always win. So if you watch a live sport, right, yep. um, and just watch the odds on something, you'll see the odds constantly shifting. That's not always to do with what's happening in the sport at the time. That's ha- That has a fair bit to do with how people are betting. Um, oh, so th- right. They obviously... Um, oh, what's a, what's a good idea? Uh, Conor, Conor McGregor. Yeah. see Conor McGregor next time he fights Khabib. Yeah. So the, the odds will come out, and I'll just go the easy one, Conor or Khabib to win. Mm-hmm. Khabib's gonna obviously gonna be a favourite because he's kicked his ass twice before. Yeah, twice? No, once. Once before. Yeah, once or twice. Whatever. But if a whole bunch of people start loading up on Connor because he's gonna have, he'd probably start at two dollars oh five. Yep, two oh five. Everyone starts betting on that. Those odds will start coming in because he's turning into the favourite, and a bookie will look at that and go, "There's a lot of people betting on him. If he wins, we got to pay out a lot of cash." Oh. So they'll start lowering that, bringing down bring Khabib up. Uh, and try to encourage people to go the other way. So the odds, and uh, if you've placed your bet, that odd change won't affect you. Uh-huh. You're locked in at whatever. Yeah, you're right. Doing. So yeah, yeah. So it doesn't affect you. But yeah. the subsequent bets. So you'll see these these lines will do this sort of shit. The so the bookies is, are trying to minimise 
potential damage. Bookies are hedging their bets. Yeah, on, yeah, on, yeah. On the opposite side yeah. of the coin. Yeah. So even though they, they might be paying out a huge amount of winnings, mm-hmm. guaranteed they've taken more than what people have lost. So, pardon my ignorance, no, right. right? So the you know you so you and I both go and we put a bet on, right? We put a hundred bucks on Khabib to win. We put a hundred bucks on. Uh, you put a hundred bucks on him, and I put a hundred bucks on Conor McGregor, right? Yep. So they've got two hundred dollars at that point. In at time, that yeah, point before, in time, before anything's paid out. Yeah. Okay, and then there's the odds of whatever. So if it's odds like one point five or whatever, then you and let's say I win, so they take your hundred dollars. They've got to give fifty of that dollars to me plus the hundred dollars that I put in to pay me out if he wins. Basically, yeah. And then they've got fifty dollars. Essentially, yeah. Okay, that's a real basic. That's way a of real looking basic at way of how it works. Now, so so when I win, I actually get the hundred and fifty dollars. I don't have to. I don't get one hundred and forty eight dollars and give no, two dollars no, to you them. Give, you give the exact amount of what that is. So okay. The only the only way these guys make their money is on the losses. Yep. They they don't keep a single cent of anyone's right. winnings. Okay. Some companies, sorry, some countries do tax winnings. So right. some places. Um, I know our company I worked for was a global company. Yeah. So some countries they actually taxed your winnings, so they knew what the tax rate was. So you'd win. That automatically take out that tax component because mm-hmm. they had to declare it when they passed all their shit through for taxation, and yep. then they'd pass you the remaining amount. So there are some places, but in Australia, not what you get if you're on a buck oh five. Yep. You will get that full value of a dollar oh five for what you put in. Okay. So even if you buy just a regular old lotto ticket over here, you get the full amount. But say in the states, if you win a million dollars, you actually got to pay tax on the million dollars. I think lotto is different. I think you pay on lotto. Uh, so even here in Australia, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I think you do pay. They classify it as an income tax. Really? Yeah. That's I, interesting. I, I know for a fact that when we did the gambling stuff, that we didn't. Have, there was no tax component for that. Okay. I think it's got. It's probably got to do with the amount. You win a lot, or you win in millions. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Um, the people who win. There millions. are dividends though, right? I mean, there's dividends where you only want earn a hundred, like a, win a hundred k. Yeah, yeah. It splits like down. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a, a flaw as to when you start paying tax and when you don't. Maybe does it just go in as an income and then you for that taxable year you have to pay whatever you whatever pay like you go into that maybe. tax bracket. Maybe because that's a lot. Like after a certain point, yeah, you're paying fifty cents in the dollar or yeah, whatever oh, you, it is. You lose it. You lose because you hear it all the time. People winning, you know, like they win a hundred million dollar Powerball, yeah. but they might only get. 70, 70, 60 73, or 74 million right, out of that. Right, right, yeah. I mean, fuck, that's still a lot of cash, but they've lost a... Uh, it still hurt, though. Like, you know what I mean? It's it, like when you, you go to... to st- you have to stand there in front, you know, they uh, do the stupid shit, the pa- like a paper comes up, you get that giant novelty check, and you're standing in front of the, p- the post office or the fucking server you bought the ticket from, hey, I got 100 million, and in- inside you're just dying <laughs> slowly, because you, you just you just see behind that camera is the fucking ATM, <laughs> this shit going, <laughs> pay up. <laughs> Just bagging that just money, man. mate. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to get mine. I'm going to get yeah. mine. But yeah, we used to see well. it. So, but yeah, so old mate, he he had this run, and we just identified something was wrong because he 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 called up, he placed a bet, lost it, and then he instantly he called up, and it would double the last time. Oh, okay, that happens occasionally. Lose it, and it happened again, and it happened again, and one of our guys just instantly flagged it to um, it went past our team leaders, go straight to the supervisors for this response because they're going something's not right here. This is out outside his normal. Oh, so what he was doing is he was trying to cover his um, losses from the previous bet. So he put forty k the first time, yeah, bet eighty k the second time, bet one hundred and sixty, and he was just is trying that to like cover basically like betting on black because eventually black's going to come up. That's pretty much the idea. He, he was hoping I've just got to win one and I'm going to cover. But you can imagine like every you lose forty, lost it, eighty, lost it. Well, there's one hundred twenty grand you down the hole. Fuck, uh, one hundred sixty. Fuck, I've lost that. Now I'm two hundred eighty <sighs> grand down the hole. That's, and that's what's happening. Now this guy had the cash in the account. So we weren't overly concerned about it. Yeah, yeah. Then he and after all, I mean, it's his fucking money. Then he know. deposited. Oh. 
and it kept going. And we're like, ooh, that's not good. You're, you're playing with money that's in your account right now. We're not concerned about that. Yeah. That's winnings. But you've chewed through that and you've just dropped 100K on there now. And you're playing through that again. So he, they, we could suspend accounts. Just suspend it, locked it. You can't access it online. You can't access it over the phones. You have to speak to a supervisor. It just forces you to go through. Okay. And they, they told him, they're flat out, look, we think there's an issue. We have to go through this process and I find out what's going on. Because it, it's a responsible, it's a responsible gambling. Like the com- uh, gambling companies in Australia are held massively the RGI requirements. Okay. It's a huge, which is good, I think, because you see a lot of people that are in a lot of financial trouble trying to make, to use like, that that model try to, to try dig to themselves get back. out of it. Jesus Christ. It never works. You, no. you never come out ahead. Um, but these guys, yeah, we've um, it'll keep going. Otherwise, I just need to hear it ring in case work calls. Me. Oh no, that's all right. Um, yeah. Oh, good brother. But yeah, and I think they're on the phone only for like half now. And then it turned out that he'd lost, I think they were saying, because he, he just spilt the beans, he'd lost about 80, 800 grand God. in four hours. That's not just with us. That was with a whole bunch of other places. We're like, 800 you need grand. Help. They shut him down. Now, I don't know what happened with other companies. They were at the time bringing in legislation like a central database that if you got banned from one company, you'd be banned from everyone. Okay. Just because if you've got a gambling issue here, but you don't tell these guys over here, that gambling problem exists. You, yeah, you haven't yeah. fixed anything. So they just, they, I think, so I don't know what happened with that, but yeah, you just overnight like that. Oh, we used to see that yeah. crap all the time. Like you'd see people betting, and again, guys were trained to see this sort of shit. You'd listen to calls and you'd just see the patterns, and you'd go, thousand bucks lost it, deposits a thousand, loses it, deposits a thousand, loses it, deposits a thousand, loses it, deposits five grand, loses it. That's a problem. Yeah. Because all of a sudden you've just gone, fuck, I need to get some cash and you just start dropping it in there. The other good one was guys would be on a decent winning streak. Like gambling issues can present in different ways. Sure. You get guys that'll be winning, winning, winning and having a really good run with it and they put the withdrawal request through then they'll cancel it. Oh. Bet a little bit more, put the withdrawal request in but they cancel it and it never actually leave their account. Yeah. And it would always be that put the request in, shit can it and bet the money straight away. And it, even that, like, it doesn't seem like it's a problem. It's like they're winning, they're not losing cash. What's going on? But it's like, no, there's an, they've got an addiction to the pro, uh, to gambling, to, to, yeah, because they can never let that money leave the account because they're getting anxious about it. Mm. Um, other shit, like you get guys, you're trying to place a better, and they're yelling at you, hurry the fuck up, like get this. And it was really bad for the um, the ladies that were working with, like, get sworn at all the yeah, time, yeah, yeah. really derogatory shit over the phones. I could imagine. Um, but even that's a sign of a problem. Because you're so desperate to get that battle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, no, nah, this has got to happen. This has got to happen. It's like, dude, I can only go so fast as, like, as the computer's oh, letting me. Like, far out. So, yeah, you'd, you'd cop guys like that. Um, we had guys, so you'd have your normal betting guys. You'd have a, a set team that dealt with the problem problem, uh, problem customers. Mm. And then you have these guys that just you know, kiss asses for everyone else because these are the guys losing shit, okay, loads of cash. They're the money money picks for the company. But I, I spent a lot of time in that, that center team that just dealt with problem guys. And they're the guys that are hurling abuse at you. You've got to have a thick skin. Yeah. Like, I've heard some... I've heard some really funny shit. Mm. The mute buttons are great. <laughs> never trust them. Never I ma- trust I ma- them. I never trust them. I made that mistake once um, and got hauled over the coals for it because mm. I thought I hit the mute button. Slipped the finger off. Uh. Didn't realise it. Just, as you do, you know, you fucking jackass because I was waiting for something to come through. Yeah. What the fuck did you... Oh, God. As soon as you hear that, I'm like, oh, crap, here we go. <laughs> Yep. Uh, just yeah, feed it to me. Orkies. This is fun. Oh, the dude deserves he's an asshole. Isn't yeah. Um, it's that whole professional thing, though. You know, they're allowed to call you. The problem was the customer was always right, even when they were wrong, they were right. And that's what shat me with it. With it, we I could never back up 
my guys. So when I was a team leader, if I had an issue get raised through and my guys were 100% in the right, mm. they were wrong. If you're not, as the company looked at it, because yeah. the customer's always right. It was really hard I've to get got shit a, flipped I've around. I've got a bit of a... If I find the bloke who made that saying up, the customer is always right, is a fucking moron. Oh, they're getting curb stomped. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was yeah. going to lean on that bastard's neck. <laughs> Too soon. Um, <laughs> no, because... It's just an inherently a wrong statement, right? As far as I'm concerned, the customer is not right. That's why they need you in the first place, yeah. right? That's why you call customer because, service. Yeah, when you go to the you know electrical shop to go and buy some stuff and you say, oh, so what do, what do I need? And they go, well, this is what you need because they're the subject matter expert yep. and you're not. You're the customer. You don't know anything or yep. maybe you know a little bit, you know, and you go in there to get professional advice from people. That's so you are not right. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Unless you're a trader or someone and you are going to a wholesaler to buy the stuff, you already know what you need. Yeah. So, you know. There's a, there's a difference between going into a place like you're saying, a Sparky going into Middies. Yeah. And going, hey, this is what I want. Yeah. But where is it? Yeah. That's different to going, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. What do I need? Yeah. And it's that level of, Yes, the customer's right to a point. Mm. Because depending on what they're asking, you, and you've got, to, you've got to gauge it. You're going to have yeah. those people that know what they want, but they just can't find it. Mm. Or you've got people that got no fucking idea. They know what the end result is. They just they can't get from A to B. No. And that's, and that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you see it now. And I mean, this COVID shit's a great example of, you know, people not wanting to wear masks or people going into shops and the fucking fights. Are, like, great one was sitting back watching YouTube videos of fights over toilet paper. Oh, my God. But then people are going off at staff members and it's like, well... No, you're not right. But why, why is this becoming an issue? Why are you screaming at this staff member who's only trying to help you? You've asked them a legitimate question. Mm. But you're not happy with the answer they gave you, so you're going to fucking go off at them? That, no, you're, actually, not, you're not right, dude. Yeah, that, that's, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> that's a good one. Is asking a question and you get the answer and it's a legitimate answer and yeah. it's a truthful answer, but because you're not happy with it, you start <laughs> going off. Like it's going to change the outcome. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like, not going to change the outcome. You can, you can, you know, you can fucking toss shit off the shelves. You can <laughs> fucking tip your shopping cart up. You can swear. You can, it doesn't change the fact that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it comes down to. It's like, how do you think this is going to, like, mate, I play hockey. I do jujitsu and I'm shit at it. <laughs> I've got a black belt in Taekwondo. I've done that for 15 years. I would love to be, if I could solve my problems by punching someone in the face, it would be amazing. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's not how the world works. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it, we should have a law that you get to punch dickheads. Just people. No, no they, like, they've got to take the ice hockey rule. The ice hockey rule on fighting is the greatest single rule I've ever seen. Yeah, t- tell sport. me about that. What, I, I know it's apparently one of the only sports where violence is absolutely approved. And, Pretty much, yeah. And you're allowed they to They don't do it so much anymore because the, uh, the National Hockey League, NHL, and the States are sort of toning down. Oh, their God. Stuff. You used to have guys whose position was called an enforcer. <laughs> in a sport. They, they weren't on the team because they were great skaters. They weren't on the team because they were good. At, they, most of these guys couldn't score for shit. They're lucky if they knew what side of the hockey stick to use. But they were 250 pounds, could, sc- could skate fast in a straight line and would put small dudes through walls. That's what their job was. <laughs> They're out there to protect the star players. But So wow. the fighting rule in hockey, it, it's, it's amazing. The first two people to drop gloves, because no one's going to punch each other with gloves on, you look like dickheads. First two people to drop gloves and get into a fight will get a five-minute major penalty. So you, you spend five minutes in the bin. The difference between a minor and a major, a minor is two minutes. And if you're in the bin and the opposition team scores, that's your penalty done. So you could go oh, in the okay. bin for 10 seconds. They score, you come out. Penalty's been served. They've gotten, they've scored for you. That, right. Five minutes of difference. You're in that bin for five minutes. 
does not matter what the fuck happens on that rink, you stay in that bin for five minutes. So you get in there, you and I fucking box on. The refs will stand back. While you're on your feet, it's safe for them to go, no, you got you boys go at it. If you're just sitting there jersey slinging for a while, like, all right, stop this shit, let's finish. If you hit the ice, they'll stop the fight because that's when it comes dangerous. You basically got razor blades on your feet. Let's yep. just chill that one out. Mm. You go spend five minutes in the bin, come back out, she's all good. Anyone else who gets into a fight subsequent to that first one, so if you've got first fight going on over here and these two boys square off, they'll get ejected from the game. Oh, yep. okay. So, so those guys will be gone. At a time. Only one fight at a time. <laughs> but after five minutes, you come back out. It's done. Yeah, right. Man, if the world was like that, no, I don't like what you're doing. Box on, five minutes. All right, she's all good. Let's go. Oh, it'd be fucking amazing. It would be good. Back in the day, and they don't do it so much anymore, two guys would get into a fight and like a bloody boxing match, they'd bring up a tail of tape and you'd have height, weight, reach, <laughs> all of, the of hockey players. Yeah. Like none of this shit's relevant, but no, nah, these two boys are going to box on, let's bring, let's bring it out. Let's go for gold. Oh, that's classic. But yeah, like, and then you get the enforcers. Um, oh God, what's the guy's name? Um, Brad Thornton, if you ever want to fucking laugh. He uh, played for Bru- Bruins? Yeah, I think it was Boston Bruins. He was an enforcer. The dude's just a thug. That's all he was. <laughs> but he did a game one day. They mic'd him up. So he had a mic on recording everything he was saying. And he, he, he says it on the bench. He turns to one of their star players. He gets a little bit bullied by the other team. And he goes, I can't, really afford, like, I can't really afford to do it, but I'll take the penalty if you need me to. E.g., I've had enough penalties. If I take another one, I'm looking at games. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like, I, I'll be sitting out for a while, but I'll take it if you need me to. Yeah. Because that's what his job was. You've got four lines on a hockey team. First line is all your star players. Yeah. Second line, yeah, not too bad. Third line, eh. Fourth line, you're just there to give the first line a rest. <laughs> that's all you're there. You're making numbers up. Yeah. Just guys, just stand. I feel there. like that's where I'd be on the fourth line. <laughs> you know. But your job is just get out there and stand there. Yeah. Look, I right. could do that. Yeah. Actually, probably not because I can't skate. So I'd probably be slipping all over the fucking joint. <laughs> I'd probably ruin that as well. Yeah. <laughs> but it, they're all fourth lines. All your enforcers are fourth liners. Yeah. And you know when it's going. We did a. So I used to live in Canada, and when we moved over there, like we got there on a Friday night, Sunday I was at my first hockey game. I had the tickets to the hockey game booked before the airfares. That's how fucking keen I was, but it was Vancouver and Calgary. The last time these two teams played, to give you an idea of how bad it is, remember how you get first lines, your star players, fourth lines, all your shit, just right. fill in the numbers. Yeah. Start of the game, both teams put their fourth line out. You never do that. There's one reason you put your fourth line out there. The puck hasn't even hit the ice yet. The cameras are on the um, the built player benches. So you've got two benches and there's normally the um, like officials and stuff just separating in the middle of them. Right. And John Tortorella, who was a Vancouver coach at the time, he's leaning around the perspex and screaming at the other bench already because they knew it was about to happen. <laughs> Everyone lines up. All the other so the two dudes in the face-off are looking where the puck's going to go. Everyone else is just looking at the other player. <laughs> They're waiting for it. Square it off. Puck goes down. It hasn't even hit the ice yet. Five, ten sets, of, oh, yeah, ten sets of gloves hit the ice, and everyone's boxing on <laughs> like that. <laughs> One second comes off the clock. Ref blows the whistle and just sits back. And what? what? What's three guys on the ice going to do when you've got ten dudes, big units, just boxing on? <laughs> the goalies are the funniest part. So normally when the puck drops, I can talk about this. I'm a goalie. You get down in your position. You get ready for it because you come down. Now both goalies just leaning on just the nets, just leaning. arms up like that because they know what's about to happen. They go, All right, let's just sit and watch. It took them 15 minutes. A period's 20 minutes. Yeah, right. It took them 15 minutes to sort through. So everyone got put in the bin. Just get over there. Yeah. We know where you are. 
All right, let's skate up here. Let's get the team. Right, who the fuck started this? <laughs> All right, so these two, they're trying to work out who's the two that are going to stay on the ice and who's the other eight poor blokes that are getting fucking sent away for the rest of the game. There was a dude in that crowd. Oh, sorry, dude in that Vancouver team. It was his debut game. Never played in the NHL before. It was the last game of the regular season, so the teams didn't give a shit. Yeah. Debut game, you know, mum, dad, grandma, grandpa, your sister all sitting up in the box and you got one second of game time and sent off. <laughs> it was the greatest thing in the world. So you, you just see shit like that. Yeah, yeah. It's a fucking great sport. Canada, man. How, how long did you live over there? I think it was 12 months or eight just, months. Just shy of 12 months. Yeah, yeah. So we, we come home because we're broke. Yeah, I remember you telling me about this. Dumb, yeah. dumb fuck. We, we went over when we shouldn't have. Okay. Um, had a little bit of debt and all that sort of shit and surprisingly trying to send money internationally is really difficult is it yeah funny that <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought yeah no. i wonder who screwed that up for us yeah. <laughs> so trying to send shit international was a bit difficult you know you yeah. exchange rates make sure shit gets back here in time and yep. like just the rate of the pay rate over there shit like yeah, vancouver right. vancouver is a beautiful place but it's an expensive place to live so you know we got gst at 10 percent. Mm. so you got the same thing over there they call it hst that's canada wide um yeah it's about 10 percent as well but then Vancouver, or sorry, BC, they throw on a um, 15% provincial state tax as well. So you get oh. your item. So say two bucks, two dollar fucking can of Coke. Yeah. 10% goes on that. Then 15% goes on top of that. So it's not 15% on the two bucks. Uh, it's 15% on the 220. Oh, man. So shit gets expensive real fast. Yeah, yeah. We didn't realize that. First time I went to buy something and I've gone, shit, yeah, it's five bucks, scan up. Six bucks, what the hell? <laughs> Trying to work out like, what have I done wrong? And I, someone explained it to me. I was like, fuck, that's a bit shit. But all right, so and it's just it? for that that province? The just, as far as I'm aware, it was just BC, British Columbia that had that additional 15% on top of it. Why? Where does that go? Fuck you, ask. Oh, it goes to the royal family, probably. Probably. <laughs> I don't, don't wrong, like, it's a beautiful, beautiful fucking state or province over there. I don't call them states. Beautiful area, but I couldn't work out where that money was going, infrastructure or whatever they were spending it on. Mm. Um, but just the pay. Like I, my first job over there, I was working in a call center for a security security company. Yeah, I was on four hundred bucks a week. Ugh. I was the young, the newest guy in the call center. I wasn't qualified. Technically, I should have had my um my bouncer certificate or my security guard qualification, whatever they call it over there. Yeah, didn't have it. And I was the highest guy paid in the center. Highest paid guy in the center. Center. The next per, the people. What? That, How? I, they gave it to me because I'd had years of call center experience. Oh, okay. Out of high school, I worked for Telstra for. Just shy two years. Yeah, right. And that was call in, center. In, in a call, in a call center, center um, and then went into training and all that sort of shit. So I'd had I'd been around call centers for ages. Mm. So they gave me this. Fuck yeah, we'll give you four hundred bucks an hour. And I'm, uh, sorry, four hundred bucks a, a week. And I'm yeah. like, what? It's like that's uh, what? <laughs> but they, they're going, yeah, that's really big. And I go, okay, I'm look, need to Canada. I need a job. I'll take it. Yeah. And then to find out the next guy in the center had been there for fucking seven years and three hundred fifty bucks a week. God damn! What year was this? 2013? 2014. No. Yeah, 2014. 2014? Six years ago? Yeah. That, that can't be right. Yeah, that's what they're on. And Jesus Christ. It, it just, it spaced me out because, it, like, these are guys talking like they got car loans. You know, they're paying rent and I'm sitting there going, how the f- I don't think, I joined the army when I was 17. I was still, and, and then when I got out, I was driving trucks at 18 bucks an hour. And I still reckon that was more than $400 a week. Yeah, I, I don't on, think I've ever been on $400 I was on, a week. And that was two th- like, let's say I was on two twelve fifty an hour. And I always pay tax out of that. So it worked out after the tax rate. I was on about 400 maybe a bit more. Yeah. In 2013-14, yeah. that's... But see, they've got... No, no wonder you had to come home. Yeah, well, that, the just the rate of... Just how expensive it was. Because we, we'd gone over there. We knew we had shit we had to pay for back here. Like what we, was your missus working? <sighs> yes and no. For the first couple of months we got there, no. I, I found a job. Like, I had a job in a week yep. of getting there. 
I'm lucky enough that I've done a lot. Mm. I've done call centers, I've done this, I've swung spanners. So I'll do whatever I need to do. Yeah. Make coin. The missus is an architectural drafter by trade. At this point in time, she's got more quals now, but at that point in time, that's what she'd done. Straight okay. out of high school, straight into the government, work as an architectural drafter. Yeah. So she had no other skills outside of that, really. Right, like right. she could work retail if she needed to and shit like that. Yeah. We didn't realize how hard it was to find work. Like she met the qualifications on paper. She didn't need to convert a tr- uh, because that's where the money would have been, right? Yeah. In, in, a, in she that didn't job. need to convert any of her tr- uh, calls over, so she could have worked as an architectural drafter. Yeah. Okay. Some differences, metric imperial, different voltage, shit like that. But she would have been able to wrap her head around it. Mm. Um, but because we were on what they call a tourist visa, so it's an international experience Canada visa. It's valid for two years. There's no restrictions on the type of work you can do. So like in Australia, if you come over a tourist visa, you've got to go. You got to do a season picking fruit. Really? That's, yeah, that's a requirement of your visa. So everyone to has pick a, fruit. Yep, got to do that. Jeez, that's part of the visa requirement. Um, but they didn't have any of that over there. Like, if I wanted to work in childcare, healthcare, you know, you got to go medicals and shit like yeah. that. But I could go do anything I wanted. So, uh. Shit, yeah. So she thought we thought the same thing. But people, we were seeing job ads that were saying no temporary visas. Oh. So they wouldn't give work to people with temporary visas because they go, well, "We've only got you for two years." Yeah, you could have it technically longer than longer than it, but. On paper, it's two years. Mm. So they didn't want to hire anyone like that. So she struggled to find work. So she ended up um, waiting tables in a place called Moose's Down Under. <laughs> Moose's Down Under. Yeah, it's an Aussie bar <laughs> in Vancouver, off a place called Pender Street. And you, unless you knew you were looking for it, you'd miss it. Right. It was a basement bar. So you're walking down the street, and there's a lot of basement shit. And it was just a staircase down, and it was just tucked away. The only way I knew it was there was a fucking A-frame sign that get put out the front. You know, that's hilarious, because we were in Finland at the start of last year. Yeah. So what was that, 20, started at 2019. Yeah. And we were in Helsinki, and we found an Aussie bar. Yeah, just everyone. purely by accident. Yeah. We just sort of stumbled across it, and I don't even remember what it was called. And we walked in there, and uh, I think maybe they were closing down or something, and uh, they had Cooper's Parallel on the list. I was like, <laughs> you beauty! <laughs> and I said, I'll have a couple of pals, thanks. And he went, oh, no, that keg ran out last week. Oh, no. And I'm like, well, did you get another one? He goes, we're closing down, bro. And all they had was like, I don't know, fucking VB and... Basically, Foster's yeah. or something. So, in the end, I think we stayed for one beer and left. But it was a groovy little joint. It was like you know, you went down. It was kind of underneath, yeah, the place, and it had it was heaps of wood and you know, it sounds very similar to what Moose's was actually. Yeah, so you're like you, you yeah. walk down, you walk, and even walking into where the um, I guess the the entry was, you you couldn't really see the bar. It sort of kicked off down to the right. So until you walked in, it then it expanded out. So it was right. tucked right under everything. Um, yeah, I've never seen so many Aussies in Canada in one spot. When State Origin was on. Oh, really? Because they, they didn't show it live. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning for us when we were there. Uh. So they got the repeat, and they played that repeat. We came in there that night, and the place was packed. Aussies everywhere. Just And they're playing State Origin. They got Bundy. Fuck knows how Corinne, uh, Karina, sorry, the lady that owned the place, got Bundy. But she got Bundy over there somehow. Uh. There was Phoebe. I found Bundy in Singapore. In really? two, yeah, 2003, I was there over there when I was... Oh, yes, it's, it's exported a fair bit now. Oh, but. Yeah, but I wasn't... I just found a grog shop that was kind of underneath... It was just this grog shop that was tucked away. Yeah. And um, it was actually pretty big. It was like a Dan Murphy's or a, or a First Choice, you know, fairly big. And um, and I was just wandering through it. I was like, oh, Bundy! <laughs> and it was only that... You know how you got the 700ml bottle and then there's like the one 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 two five something like that? Yeah, 1.25 or something Or like, yeah. a litre bottle or whatever. The, the next one up. That big bastard. Yeah, the big bastard. And that was all That was all they had. I said, I'll take that. Thank, Thank you. you. It cost me much. 46 Dollars, it's not bad. Yeah, which really? Singapore and, and Australia at the Pretty time dollar dollar, Pretty, eh? dollar for dollar, so yeah. forty six bucks. And and then I went and sat um, back at the hotel room with my my roommate, um, 
because we were sharing. Yeah, just and just so we sat guys. on the balcony overlooking uh, Orchard Road, one of the main main drags, main, main drags right across from the <clears throat> four floors of Hawes. <laughs> That's what they call it. I, I'm just saying, the four floors of whores, man. Um, but it was essentially, yeah, four stories. Like it, it was like a shopping complex that you'd have in the like a Maya Center or something in the city, yeah. you know. And it's just bars and nightclubs and you know more bars and just four four floors of and then lots of ladies of the night. Yeah, <laughs> that's one way to put it. And uh, so oh, we we understood why they put um, 110 soldiers up. In the hotel across the road. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense now, doesn't it? And so for the first few hours, me and uh, – what's his fucking name? Busso, I think it was. Anyway, me mate, and we're sitting on the balcony just drinking rum, rum and coke, and uh, and just watching. And we just pick our blokes, right? Yeah. Just wandering Stand over. And, out. and then about an hour later, he, <laughs> they'd go over as a group, and then one bloke would come back with a – Start filtering back out. <laughs> you know, and then an hour and – Ten minutes later, <laughs> she's going back the other way by herself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then maybe not long after that, I'll maybe be staggering back after with his shirt up, you know, <laughs> back to have another go. It's a dangerous yeah. place, isn't it? It was a big night. We had, um, we we're actually looking at. So obviously, the last hockey mob up here, a bunch of guys we've known each other through hockey for years. Yeah, just looking for some comps to go to. There's nothing much going on up here at the time. So like, oh, we've played Adelaide, got. Fucking smashed and had a great time. Most of us are drunk by the back end of the games anyway, or drunk when we started. Um, they go, oh, there's fucking there's Singapore does this massive competition once a year, and all the boys are getting really excited. One of the boys, and I won't say his name, pipes up and he goes, "Stay on Orchard Road." <laughs> now I know what's on Orchard Road. Like I've known enough guys that have been there. I said, I've just gone, "Fuck no." <laughs> <laughs> a, use my bro, married. B, I'm sober and I'm not that kind of guy anyway. But I'm like. I'm not bailing you cunts out of fucking Singapore jail. That's just not happening. Like, that's pretty hectic over there, man. I can imagine it would be. We, but we, they wanted to stay on Orchard Road for one fucking reason. Mm. It's gonna be, let's go, we'll play. We'll wake up, have breakfast, get some you know, fucking bacon, whatever it is they eat over there. Drink, because we'll all have booze from the night before. Roll up to the ice hockey competition, because most tournaments start about lunchtime and go through the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Roll up, play hockey. We'll all be fucking cut anyway by the time we get there. The only guy is generally sober because I'm a goalie and I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, like they can get off the ring. Fuck, I'm going to spear, I'm going to skate off and change with someone else. I'm stuck out there for 60 minutes. Yeah. I don't get a chance to get off. These pricks, you know, 30 seconds, like I'm done. Spewing up in buckets, that's what happened in Adelaide. <laughs> um, finish that one, continue drinking. And then go to Orchard Road that night. It's like, no, this is not fucking happening. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. it's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place. Yeah, yeah. I was a, I was a good boy. I didn't do anything. Bullshit. Untoward. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. They, they say that old thing. Like, if you look at someone when they tell a lie, they look up to the left. Oh, did it? Yeah, your, your fucking <laughs> eyes roll in the back of your head. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a G-rated show. Okay, <laughs> sure it is, Churchy. <laughs> oh man, good times, eh? I just right. you can't. Yeah, I was. Oh man, I would have been. It was two thousand and. Three, I don't know, it would have been 20 years old. In fact, I had my 20th birthday while we were over there, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. That would have gotten messy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember a lot. That's the so, whole point, though. You can remember your 18th or you remember your 21st, you won't try hard enough. Yeah. yeah. 18th was a shit fight. but 21st um, had down to the river, actually. My 21st went pretty well. It was good. Yeah. But um, and then my 30th went all right. And now I've stopped. I don't want birthdays anymore. The next one's 40. Oh. 
it's only a few. It's about two and a half, two and a half years away. The now. days have been out of you know, get home from work on a Friday, just preload before you go out, go out all night, fucking hit town, all that sort of shit. Get home at four o'clock in the morning, throw up, go to bed, wake up at fucking eight. Any good to go? Mm. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. Uh, you know, I'll get home on a Friday night, have a couple of drinks with fucking some friends. It's 10 o'clock. Fuck you, mob. Go home. want to go to bed. <laughs> Again, I've got a kid at home, so I'm guaranteed to be up by no, no later than 7 o'clock next morning anyway. Yeah. Wake up and you're just sitting there hungover. Your eyes sore. You, I mean, I, I got I got busted joints and all that sort of shit, so I, I'm generally hurt anyway. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. wake up and you're walking around the house like you're 80 years old. Every <laughs> little noise is just, just that little needle in the fucking back of your eyes. Of course, we've got a toddler at home and his pants get bashed together, doors getting slammed. Yeah. There's nothing quiet about it. It's like, I did that once went, no, I can't do this anymore. Nah. I hate feeling like shit. Even now, like, I might have one or two beers and I'm sort of done. It's surprising how quickly it sneaks up on you too. You know, I, it's just like, it's I don't a, even remember now. We're maybe it's mid-20s. a baseball bat across the back of the skull. Yeah, mid to late 20s, I reckon. And then all of a sudden, one day you're just like, I'm hurting way too much. <laughs> It is like that though, eh? Yeah. Like you just don't realise it. You just go, oh. Funny, oh. actually, we are talking about that because uh, I've switched, I've finally switched from full-strength beer to mid-strength. Yeah. And um, I held out for 37 years, <laughs> I held out. But, um, yeah, just recently, only in the last month or so, I've been buying um, Cooper's Mild, actually, but the Mild Ale because, yeah, I just, I'm sick of hurting. Yeah. And you can, yeah, you can sort of put it, put a few more away and, I like waking yep. up the next morning and feeling like I do now. Yeah, sort of thing. Well, I can have a couple of beers and feel. Good. I mean, I'm a big enough unit. I can sink. I can sink them down, and I'm not sure. too bad. Yeah, but that you hit that fine line between. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow. I'm feeling great. Mm. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow morning. I'm gonna feel like I've been hit by a bus. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 no sort of <clears throat> fine line middle middle. Area. It's one or the other. Yeah. And I just I have too much shit to do now. Yeah, yeah, really, yeah. I have too much shit. To do. I don't want to wake up and waste half the day going. Oh, God, I feel like shit. <laughs> oh, and then well, inevitably you're looking outside, going, "Fuck, that's a mess. I have got to clean that up out there." Yeah, it's like, nah, screw that shit. I'd. Uh, it's a bit different now, but when I was when I was trucking, you know, generally the days were long, and I'd be in a you know parking bay somewhere. So you know, at night time, I might have one or two beers, and then I'd go to bed. But if you're having to roll up to a, a roadhouse somewhere, you know, and there's other truckies that you know that you just happen to be in the same spot or they're from, you know, the same company that you work for. Yeah, you yeah. just happen to, you know, and so one beer, two beers, and then, you know, you're hanging One off. beer, two beers, <laughs> one carton, two cartons. <laughs> you know, <laughs> by the time you finished. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we had, uh, what was it? We are building roads and that, and we had, uh, so I had side tippers on the back. Yeah. And so when you finish your can, you just into the side tipper. <laughs> So there's just roads and roads of mining roads just paved with empty stubbies, because <laughs> <laughs> you know then you drive around and get the get the uh, you know the road the road base or whatever it was you were carting all put it on top of all these bowls and driving you, down the one they go oh there's yeah. a <laughs> and then in the side tipper you tip it out as you're driving along and you'd see you'd see more road. <laughs> oh, and, and then the grader operator generally behind you know and he's like oh don't worry about them mate yeah, yeah. it's all right I'll dig them in you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll roll them in so you can't see them. Yeah, and empty rags and fucking empty... Just uh, anything. Just, yeah, and okay. like, you know, your grease cartridges out of your grease gun, you know, yeah. finish yeah, that one. Well, yeah. yeah, so it's all right. It came from the ground, goes back to the ground. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at least some of those heavy nights and then, um, you know, the next morning, you know, still had to get going at 6 o'clock, yeah. you know, start your logbook. And, and it's just, you know... 
get an hour down the road to the next place, find it, get a cup of coffee and a bacon egg sandwich, and start feeling. Usually, you start again. pulling yourself back together again. But um, one thing I noticed when I stopped driving and went flying, that it's a different rock show when you go flying and young over. Holy Christ, it's it's shit. And you're bouncing around in the back of this plane at bloody low yeah. levels, and you're just like, you know, it's just. We did it back. It's a strange in. one. So I just can't. I just don't do it. I just don't do it anymore. If I'm working the next day, like no, I just got to cut it away because yeah. I just. Just it just hurts. Know. Yeah. For eight, nine hours. Like and eight the worst hours part is you can't escape it either. You, you can't. There's nothing you can do about it. We no. did, um, so I, I got my commercial back in 08, I think it was. And prior to getting that, so I had to build hours. You know, minimum I had to have was, I think it was 250 hours before I got some intestine and all that sort of shit. So we did a flyaway. Me and another guy was doing his commercial in one plane and all the bags. Yeah. Um, an instructor and two students who were working on their private licence in another one. Went out of Victoria up to uh, Queensland, New South Wales, bought a place called Mungandai. No, never mind, sorry. We're going to go to Mungandai, that one. They sort of worked our way back down over to Renmark and um, shit like that and then back. Yeah, okay. Had a five-day trip. Great fucking fun. We are pulling a Broken Hill one night and Webb was the other dude I was with. Mm. It was my turn to fly. My turn? No, I flew in, so he was going to fly the next one because we were sort of sharing leg by leg because we are both building time. Yep. We've pulled in a broken hill. I'm like, fuck yeah, I've flown this afternoon. Have a couple of beers tonight. Big feed. I'll, cause I, can, I can chill the next morning. Fucking web hit the sauce hard. So we get in there and we're all hungry. It's about five o'clock. Nothing's open. We, we just want to feed. We've been up since fucking five that morning. Yeah. Flying around, you know, it's like you're constantly bouncing around. You're just, you're just feeling, you feel fatigued. It is a strange level. It's, it's a strange level of tired. Strange fatigue. It's just that, that vibration, that constant noise you can't get away from. Yeah, it. I so thought it, I knew about fatiguing trucks, but when aviation is a yeah. different beast, man. Now I'm lucky with our job. I've been in the avi- I've been around aviation since I was a kid. Mm. So I've always been in planes. So I'm, I was kind of used to that. Even when I started working with us the first week on the back of a dash, and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> you just get the end of the night and you're just fried. Yeah. Different because, you know, you've got mental focus as well, but you just can't get away from that environmental stress. Indeed. But we're walking around. We finally find a pub that's open. Been walking around Broken Hill for about 30 minutes. Oh, yep, fuck you. When's your kitchen open? Seven. All right. Can we get any food right now? Because we're all hanging for a feed. Oh, yeah, look, we can just do it. Like, what was it? Just like an assorted fucking, you know, nuggets, chips, wedges. Just anything that goes in the deep just fry, basically. deep fry that shit and bring it out for yeah. us. By the time that comes out, Webb's six beers deep. He's just pat- He's the kind of guy that just opens his mouth. Oh, there goes a pint. Okay, this is how we're turning this one out. So I, I immediately turned down. I'm, I'm four beers deep. I'm, like, I'm just going to stop for a little bit and see where <laughs> this goes. Because if we're both fucked tomorrow, we can't go anywhere. Mm. And Webb just keeps seeking on for two hours. Then the food comes out, smashes his giant palmy, which is about the size of that book. There's a palmy and then there's chips and shit underneath that. Mm. Hammers through food. that. Oh, great. Food. It was cheap too. Yeah. Get home that night. Webb's fucked. We, we're back to the room and he's, he's just fucked. He's like, all right, you can go to bed. We'll sit here and play in the next fucking morning. I turned to my instructor and um, Scabby and I'm like, he's not flying tomorrow, is he? So I was, how old was I at this time? I was fucking 17. I think, True. At this, no, 18. I was drinking. Yeah. 18. Of course, sorry. <laughs> Everybody, uh, 18. Yeah. Actually, I, I, think I, was, I think I was actually legit 18 because I, I had my 18th birthday when I was down there. Yeah. I just can't remember if it was before or after. But anyway, um, well, I got the next morning and we're flying a little 172. So this thing's... Cabin-wise, probably about half the width of this table. You know, two of us jammed together. And about the length, actually. So that's what you got to jam two big units in. Yeah. Webb's my size. We get in there, and Webb's just hung over. He's doing the whole sunnies on. He's holding his head in his hand like that. Could you smell him? Yeah. You know, it's when you can smell him. So I said, dude, just sit on the tyre. Because the plane will fly on the um, fixed gear. Didn't have the little wheel spats over the fucking tyres. So you can sit on the tyre. So uh. just sit there under the wing in the shade. Because it's broken hill. It's already fucking pushed it's, 40. It's yeah. hot as balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
just sit there, dude. I've pre-flighted it, jumped in, and Webb's just in there, seat back, curled over the side, and he's like, oh. <laughs> Good thing about a fucking 172. They don't go fast enough. You could open the side windows if you need to. And I'm like, dude, if you're going to throw up, out the window. Like, I'm not cleaning this shit up outside the inside of the plane because I don't know where the bloody um, sick bags and shit works. We had them somewhere. And for the next three hours while we're in this thing, it was a rough day. Webb's just holding his guts on his fucking side trying to sleep. I'm not helping. I'm doing this. How long were your legs? Couple, couple only of about three hours. Yeah, we'd right. only go about three hours and switch out. Yeah. Um. So we did, we did six hours a day. So he'd fly, find somewhere, intermediate stop, refuel, switch over, and head on from there. That was more so for the other guys because we were carrying all the gear. So if the boy, if um anyone in the other aircraft, you know, they wanted something out of their bags, jammed in with us. That was just a weight thing. Um. Say about three hours is what we averaged. Yeah, right. Fuck, I, l- I learned some. You know, people say you learn from your mistakes. Yes. Like, it's probably been. You're supposed to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> There's been three things when I was learning to fly when I just got my license that scared myself shit, like dumb enough that I got never done that fucking mistake again. One of them was inadvertently flying into IFR without an instrument rating. Oh. One of them was flying a plane that I didn't actually know A, how much fuel it carried, or B, what its fuel burn an hour was. I'll tell you the story on that one. And then the other one was taking off in marginal weather conditions and having to do a turn back um, and barely making it back to the runway before a fucking thunderstorm hit us. So the first one was on that flyaway trip we did. The plane we were flying had to get up to Narromine to an um, avionics engineer that was getting an uh, instrument replaced. Remember that massive, massive dust storm that kicked up through Alice back in about 08? It blew through Alice and it went through Sydney and you know turned the sky in Sydney. That was yeah. going through Albury about the time we were flying through. So we've gone up to Albury. The dust storm wasn't there yet. Aubrey was a refueling stop, and then we're going to piss off from there. Refueled, and I've got the photo somewhere at home. The color of the sky is the same color as the tower. Yeah, she's fucking blood red. Planes landed, Q-Link Dash 8's come through. So we're all taxiing out. So my instructor, who is instrument rated, is in a plane with two other students. There's me and Webb, no instrument ratings. going, fuck yeah, we're all right. Ask the tower, we thought we did the right thing. Hey, what was the visibility in that dust? And the Dash has come back, oh, about 5Ks. Fuck yeah, 5Ks, we're good to go. We yep. can still see if it gets the shit, we can turn around and come home, we'll be good. Said that to Jared, I was flying this leg. Said that to a Scabio instructor, and he's like, sound plan, all right? We both taxi out. Tower gives us the approval to both enter the runway at the same time. He heads down, I follow him out, Jared takes off. I wait for him to get airborne and rotate, and then I start ours. I get airborne, look down at my, my departure time, look up and go, fuck. In the 172, about the end of that book is the end of the engine cowling. Couldn't see that. It was that <sighs> thick in the dust. Could just see the wheel spat beside me and I looked out the side. Could see straight down because we're sort of just in the bottom of it. Right. Then over the radio, I just hear my instructor go, hey, Nick, what height are you at? That's seven and a half, why? And he goes, I'm going up to nine and a half. You just went left to right underneath us. And oh, James, the guy in the back, could count the rivets on the top of your wing. Never saw him. Holy shit. Shit, okay. But now we've got a, we've got a fucking dilemma. A, Aubrey, mountains. Um, yeah. I know what my lower safe is because I've just gone straight to it. When we hit the dust, it was my, the only thing I had on my mind was to get up away from the hills. Mm-mm. Now what the fuck do we do? What was your lower safe? Seven. 7,000 feet. At that, was it seven? Seven. No, lower than that in that area. Yeah. Either or hemisphere. It might have been a bit lower than that, but hemispherical, I need to be at seven and a half. Mm. Um, but I now can't go back because I can't see to navigate my way around. Aubrey had no radar, so they were no fucking help to me. Um, I've... Luckily, I had no instrument rating. So I'm trying to fly a plane using reference to a gauge that's about yay big. And 
I now know I've, I've done my instrument rating since then, but you can get fixated. So you've got an artificial horizon, you know what that is with fly. Sure. But if you just look at that, you'll still climb, you'll still descend, you'll still turn because it's, it's good, but it's not perfect. No. Like I can be straight level and lose height. Mm. If I've got the fucking power set right, I'm still descending. Mm-hmm. So you have a scan, you always, it, artificial horizon, you always come back to. But you go that, you go here, airspeed. Back to this, down your ultimate, back up across your DG, whatever your six pack arrangement is. But you're constantly scanning. You never fixate on one thing because you'll fucking lose it. Mm, mm, mm. You could lose a vacuum pump, but that artificial horizon could be slowly toppling over because it's vacuum powered. Right. But if I'm fucking following that, so I'm not looking at anything else, I'll be, end up turning. And if a very gentle turn, you won't feel it. No, that's right. Without visual reference, you won't feel it. Yeah. So that's why you constantly scan because all of a sudden you go, that's telling me to turn right. That's telling me I'm flying straight. What's going on? So something goes, shit, something's not marrying up here. Mm. I didn't know that. So I've just, when you do private license, you do like five hours. They give you just enough instrument experience to go, fuck them in cloud, turn around and get out. But they drill into you 127 seconds. I don't know if it's still the figure. But the average life expectancy of a non-instrumented pilot flying into IMC conditions was 127 seconds before you lost it and plowed out of the bottom. Because that's how easy it was to fuck it. And I remember that that number stuck with me on instructor's title. I've never checked it, but I've gone, you know what? That's good enough for me. Just over two minutes before I die, I'm good. Not going in that shit. So, but I'm now stuck in this situation. I don't know what the fuck to do. Now, I played flight sim as a kid. I've gone, I know how that autopilot operates. Never used it in this plane before. I know how that GPS operates because I've fucked with them in flight sim. Right. And I've just smashed it straight away. I've gone, set my altitude hold, set my nav hold, turn it on. Take my hands off it. Yeah. At least I know I'm not going to climb or descend and it's going the right direction. Right, right. All right, are we going the right way? Now what the hell do we do? Yeah. And 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 at this point, Viz is... Fucked. Fucked. Zero. Still, I, I couldn't see you. Yeah, That's right. how it was just clogged in. And me and Weber just looking at each other going, what the hell do we do? Like, okay, mm. it's got to end at some point. Mm. But what if it doesn't? No. Because we knew where we got. couldn't go back to... The plane I was flying had the ability to do instrument approaches. It had it was an IFR machine, so it had the GPS with a database. You know, you guys talk about RNAVs. It had all that in there. Mm. I had no training on it. No. I didn't have the plates. I could have been, someone could have talked me through it if I needed to. Mm-hmm. But what if I couldn't get the visibility to land at the other end? I'm still fucked. Yeah. And then I've got to go back into that shit. Yeah. Don't know how high it was, so I can't outclimb it. So we've just kept going. I'm on the instru- I'm on the radio to um, my instructor in the other plane, who's fine by the way. He's got plates. He's got his fucking Wi-Fi ready. He's all fucking hunky dory. He's now flying because the students are fucked. Well, actually, no, he wasn't. He was in command, but the other student was getting a bit of IF time. Okay. But we're on the radio. I'm like, dude, what do we do? Like, what's going to happen if we get to the other side of Narrow Mine and this shit's extending that far up? How do we land this thing? He's so like, you're still tracking away from Albury. We're still going away from Albury. I made the decision that heading north, the lower safe descended. We got out of the mountains. Yep, yep, yep. Flatter land. I thought I've got a better chance if I have to. Of not playing on the side of a mountain if I get away from Albury. And that was our decision. Just get away from Albury. Mountain, I can't go back there. As a, There was no point in me staying in the hills mm. because it wouldn't have fucking made a difference. I'd rather go towards flatland and lower land just to give me a chance to get out from underneath it. Yep. Four-hour leg, three hours in the dust. In a naturally aspirated a- aircraft. I was gonna, so that was going to be my next question. Was This is a, a, a piston-powered aircraft. Air- Air-cooled aircraft in thick fucking And you're dust. essentially yeah. in, a, in sand. You're, you're, Pretty much. You're, flying in sand. Yeah, flying It's an easy sand. way to put it. And I'm just sitting there going, hey, this can't be good for the engine. No. But again, I don't have a choice. And we were doing it. Like, we were flying along and looking out the window because, again, we could see straight down. So we must have just been sort of just in the top uh, the bottom layer of it. Mm-hmm. But again, we were still at that how, how, how? What was your attitude here, do you think? Do you remember? 
Well, I think so we went like up seven thousand. I think we went up about seven and a half the whole way. Okay, which is a hemispherical level. We just we knew that was the lowest, and I was flying as low to lowest half as I possibly could because if I could get under it, mm. I would have ducked straight down under it. Mm. But I wasn't willing to descend out when I was. I was still seeing dust and shit blowing. I didn't want to push down yeah. until I knew. I, like if I had a hundred foot, I'd nose it down. Yep. But I wasn't willing to push it down because that last one of the guys went all right, one hundred, two hundred, three hundred down. Yep. Because that's Murphy's law. That's what it, would absolutely. absolutely. And we were looking down and I was seeing airstrips below us. Mm. And there was that back of my mind going, I'll just circle down on top of it. But then that same fucking problem. Now I'm having to turn. I can see that way, but my slant visibility is fucked. And then I'm having to do shit on an inch. I'm, I'm liable to lose it. Yep. And I've got another dude with me. Mm. So like, no, fuck it. We plowed through. An hour out of an hour of mine, it started to thin. So I could see a little bit further forward. I started and we're like, fuck yeah, we're finally coming out of this. Then we ran into rain. Oh no! Just enough to wet the windshield. Oh no! So dirt and shits turned to mud. So mud. You basically mud. yeah. I've just gone fuck it. I can sort somewhat see we're good enough to go. We've landed, taxied in. My instructor's been there for twenty minutes because he's done all the other sort of shit. So he has managed to play ahead, and I'm just what the fuck do I do? And there wasn't a lot he could do for you either, was there? The only thing that he could have done is he if just we had to, is he could have talked me through setting the autopilot up to fly an approach. Yep. But I would have had to manually handle the rate of descent. Yep. It wouldn't do that for me. I'd have to manually handle that. But it, he could have talked me through. But again, you can only come down to a certain height where you've got to become visual. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if he's flying it, he's trying to work his way through it as well. It's It was just a recipe for disaster. Mm. <laughs> we rolled up and he's just, this is our blase we're at about a time. The instructor's rolled up and goes, welcome to IFR flying. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah, that was great fun. Stupid. But I, Yeah, but you're 18 years old. Yeah. And when you're 18 years old, you don't fucking give a fuck, mate. You're just like, this is, this is awesome. Yeah. But know? in the back of my mind, I've gone... I never want to be in that situation again. Nope. So I was on the fence about doing my instrument rating before I came home or just coming straight home after my commercial and looking for work and doing the IFR rating later. Fuck it. Stayed there and did it. Yeah. I've never... I've used it twice to get my, my ass out of jail in situations I should never have been in the first place and that was one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, second one about the fucking fuel situation. Again, I'm trying to build hours. So I hired a plane off of one of my other instructors and his son who... Aerobatics pilot Ben's great. We were heading up to Mungandai, which is a um, ag agricultural area. I can't remember what they. I think it's cotton or something. No, it's rice up that way. He was going up to pick up a plane to bring it back that was due for maintenance. I was going to fly him up and then just spend a week just slowly crawling my way back home again, just building hours towards my um my rating. Little one five two. It's fucking hilarious to watch me get into. By the way, it's a little two seater. He's <laughs> a tiny plane. You're a big guy. You're like six. 6'2". Six 6'2". Two. Six two. Yeah, and 125 kilos. 125 kilos. So 135 at this time. To get into the plane, I would open both doors. I have yeah. to lie across both seats, pull my legs in, and then leave myself around because I can't shift the seats back. Yeah, okay. But didn't ask... Again, I'm stupid. I know better now, and I knew better at the time, but again, I was 18. 18 you're 18. Me and Ben are going, fuck yeah, it's going to be great fun. Let's go. Load up the back of the plane. The thing's sitting like a tail dragger. <laughs> it's so heavy. Didn't do a weight and balance on it. Yeah. Again, we're just being blase about shit. We know what we're doing. Because I used to do all the time. If I had to go into Moorabbin from where I was, it was an hour down the road. Just jump the plane, do a pre-flight and go. I wouldn't worry about a weight and balance. I knew exactly what I needed fuel-wise. You just get blase about it. Didn't know. And I <laughs> jumped in this fucking plane. Filled the thing to the brim. I now realise that with me, Ben, all our gear and full fuel were overweight. But didn't think about that at the time. Mm. Play off, take off, and we're heading up north. No idea how much fuel we burn. We just planned to go for three hours and land. Refuel and move on, refuel. So we got up to Mungandai, not a fucking problem. Stayed the night. He um he jumped on the plane the next day. I flew from there to Moor Mori to refuel because I knew I was going to need it because I looked at the tanks and went eh, about half a tank. Yeah, I'll go refuel. 
Refield, and then I went from there. I was supposed to go from there to Port Macquarie. That was where I go, fuck you, I'll go to Port Macquarie. That looks about four hours. Took off, run into bad weather. So didn't check my weather when I look off, took off that morning. So I'm now fucking flying through some valleys to get over to Grafton to get to the coast and then fly down coastal. Still don't know how much fuel this thing burns. Anyhow, still don't know how much fuel this thing holds. I now know it's 90 litres and it's 15 litres an hour. 15 about, yeah, so about a four, five hours endurance in this thing. But that doesn't... That's re- in Cavokay weather, like... No, that, that's, that's fine. I'm yeah. a VFR pilot, so that's none of that IFR shit. I don't have to worry about reserves or any of that sort of stuff because if I'm flying someone that needs a reserve, I shouldn't be going there in the first place. Indeed. Um, but that's not accounting for bad weather. That's not accounting for headwinds. That's, not, that's perfect. You, you fly and you run out of fuel. Yeah. So I finally get through the bad weather. I fly past Grafton. Should have fucking stopped for fuel because I've been airborne for two hours by this point in time. Get to the coast, start burning down the coast, come past um, Port Macquarie. No, I was going to Bathurst, sorry. Bathurst? Port Macquarie. Yeah, Bathurst I was going. No, it was Port Macquarie. I tell you lies. I'm just, fuck, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. But that, that's an extension of the story. But I'm flying down and you normally don't pay attention to fuel gauges in a piston engine aircraft because they're just afloat in the tank. So they do this shit all the time. When they're both sitting on the fucking empty stop and not moving, you generally start to get worried. <laughs> So the left tank's hit the fucking stop and I'm only about 20 minutes away from Port Macquarie at this point in time. It's hit the left stop. Okay, I'm still going. I've got a fucking two tanks, but the right one's just just bouncing off the empty tank. Should be right. I don't really have much choice right now. <laughs> we land, we taxi, and I'm like, fuck yeah, oh, that's all good. I'll, I'll chalk that one up to fuel experience. Out of a 9-litre fuel tank, I put 89 litres into it. 89 litres? Into it. a 90-litre capacity aircraft, 45 litres aside. Oh my God. But... I now know how much fuel it carries. Yes. Because I put 89 litres in there. I went, eh, it's probably 90 litres. I just ran it what up. What a way to check it though, bro. Yeah. Like, you know. But again, I, it's, it's the shit. I, flown, I was in an aircraft I'd never flown before. A type I'd never flown before. I'd flown its bigger brother, the 172. But I'd never flown a 150. So the shit I should have fucking asked. Yeah. And it's one of those things I learned quite quickly is not to rely on other people to give you that information. Because a part of me could have right, quite easily turned around and said, why didn't my instructor tell me? Why didn't the guy that was hiring the plane out to me tell me what my fuel is, what this is, where the weight... No. A, I was a fucking commercial student, so I should have known better. B, I'd flown enough shit that I should have known better. C, it's the first fucking thing that's drilled into you is know what your fucking plane's capable of. Yeah. Like, you don't jump into a car not knowing how much fuel's in it. Yeah. You go down, drive down Adelaide and hope for the best, which is essentially what I did. I jumped into it and thought, eh, what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Nearly end up with a fucking smoking crater on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the difference. Your car, you just pull over gently to the side of the road. Don't get know? that possibility in a fucking plane. Um, it reminds me of a story that, uh, I don't know if you met Benny Joseph when he was here, but yeah. he was telling me a story, and shout out to him, and I'm, hopefully I don't butcher it. But essentially he he was um, flying around somewhere, you know, around Sydney, somewhere there. and uh, But he, he got into a, he got into a, a, like a valley, you know, he's flying in there. And... Something that's quite it's quite low, so he was below the height of terrain. Yeah, um, and I think maybe he had someone with him. You know, he was just he was able to fly around, maybe VFR and just day daytime stuff, getting some hours up, so yeah. higher plane, whatever. And uh, but he was in this valley, and and he's like, oh shit, I'm actually below, and he couldn't climb out because the, there wasn't performance for yeah. it. And so, but that's what he did first. I think he you know went to for performance to try and get up and over the top, realised he didn't have the performance and then had to hook it around. Yeah, now you're in a box valley. And now you're in a box valley, right? And, and he, oh, I'm just, he's telling me this, I'm going, 
well, you're here. So yeah. you're, and he goes, yeah, dude, he said that, but that was scary. Like, that was his one, you know. That yeah. was one of his you when hit, he went. You hit a point where it's just pure luck. Yeah, when power and performance. You know, that's what he said to me. He goes, you know, power and performance is really important to know what your machine's capable of. Yep. Because, you know, it's not like watching the movies and seeing a jet just, you know, turn on a dime and, yeah, and got power. Yeah, you can basically fly these things straight up in the air, you yeah. know. But that whole power and knowing what your, your machine's capable of doing. So my old job before we went to Canada, I was flying around. Flying around through WANT, private company, but we had our own plane. It was the only one we had. Knew this thing like the back of my fucking hand. It was a great little machine. By the book, I needed six or 700 metres for a short field takeoff right. with how we operated. I know I can get it airborne in five. <laughs> Why? Because I'd, I'd put it through its paces. Yeah. So I knew yeah. what I – just because a book says one thing, I, I knew how to fly it. And it's got me out of, it got me out of jail once. We rolled up to a place in WA. Can't remember the name of the strip. We hadn't been there in years. Um, flew over. I'd never been there. Flew over it. Had a look at the condition of the strip first. Pre- uh, precautionary search. Come down low like you're doing a, um, like you're doing a landing. Mm. And then you stop at about 100 feet and then just fly the length of the runway. I slowed it back to a certain – to a, I think I had it back at um, 60. So I flap out, gear out, holding 60 knots, and started a timer. So I had no data on how long the strip was. Right, either. right. Started a timer. You know, you're one in 60 rules. I know exactly. Okay, sweet. I've got about this much runway to play with. Yeah. I, I can land and take off in that. Because you can stop in a much shorter distance and you can fucking take off in. What I didn't see from the air was the giant washout through the middle of the strip. It was only about yay wide, but it was about that deep. Couldn't see it from the air. Couldn't see it when I landed because I've stopped short of that point. But when I've taxied up to the where the little fucking tin shed was, it was the apron. <laughs> that actually, that the sign said whatever like the airport was apron. <laughs> whatever the whatever the strip was, it had I can't remember the name. But it was something something international terminal. That's what it was <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. They do it all through those communities. It's great. That's great. But as I've taxied up, I've seen it and I'm going fuck. All right, that's that's a future me problem because that's shit. that's going to have implications. That's going to have the implications on the takeoff. Yeah. All right, well, fuck it. That's a future me problem. I got shit to deal with right now. So you know. Wander off to the store, do my stuff, come back two hours later. All right, now that's now it's future me. All right, okay, how the fuck am I going to do this? Paste it out. It's not exactly accurate, but I know I was stepping longer than a meter, and I know I was a couple, I was about fifty meters short of what I needed to get this bastard airborne. I'm like fifty meters short by of, the book, or by of what I knew I could get this thing airborne. You, okay. Yeah, and yep. I've gone. All right, uh, what do I do now? Okay, all right, let's strip everything out. So I've called the store. I've gone, hey, I need you guys to come back and bring a four-wheel drive with you. So we used to carry suitcases, about five of the bastards, full of samples. Weighs a lot. It was all clothing, so it weighs a lot. All right, well, there's 120 kilos worth of shit out of the back of the plane. Strip the seats out. There's that out. Well, I'm over land. I don't need the fucking 15-kilo life raft. So I started just turfing everything just to lighten the plane up as much as I could. Paste it out again. Did the books. And I'm like, okay, one way to find out, I guess. <laughs> So I'm on the phone to my boss on the sat phone. I said, this is a situation I got. So my boss at the time had a private pilot's license, but he had about 7,000 hours all in that aircraft. He'd never flown another machine. So the dude knows this thing really well. So I'm even on the phone to him and the IT guy that we had used to be the chief pilot of Managreta Progress Association. So there's a couple of experienced dudes around. I'm on the phone with speaker going, this is what I've done. What do you, this is what I'm thinking. What do you guys think? So I only had maybe 500 hours at this point in time. Yeah, I'm a commercial license. We're flying a lot, but I'm fucking. I'm, I'm still dangerous. Yeah. What do you guys think? You've done everything you can. The only way, short of finding someone to come fill that bastard in with some dirt, what can you do? And I'd looked at it and gone, "That's what I would have done." 
Again, thinking back on it, would have been a great idea. Yeah. Because all I needed was a fucking shovel and something. And I, I only had to make it a little bit and I would have been good. Yeah. So I've taxied out, gone up to the end of the strip, turned around, shut her off, got out, pushed the bastard back to the fence. The tail was hanging over the back of the fence yeah. at the end of the strip. Just give myself as much as I could. Stood on the brakes, full fucking flat stick. Now the book for this machine said for a short field takeoff, you had a stage of flap sitting out. I remember from training and from practice that you, no, don't do that. As you get to 50 knots airspeed, rotate, and because of the handbrake lever, essentially to pull out the flap, it was just all cable, rotate and pull the first stage of flap out at the same time, and it would just spring up off the ground. Oh, You know okay. that called wing and ground effects? So you're essentially flying on a cushion of air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wheels are off the ground, Yeah. but you're not travelling fast enough to take off and climb out. If you try to keep climbing, you'll just fucking sink back to the runway. Roger. But it gets you off either you know the rough strip or if you're in really wet grass and shit, just gets you up. I'm like, fuck it, fuck it, just get to that. I can accelerate at that point and then climb out. That rut's not going to be a problem. Right. Uh, fucking power on, let's see what happens. Gave myself a decision point that if I'm not at a speed I'm happy with by this point, I'll abort and have another crack at it. Yeah. Come barreling down the fucking runway. Fucking 50, not while well, I'm committed now, I'm, I won't be able to stop before hitting the rut. Hit 50, crank it, pops up, and then sinks back down on the other side. It's like, Fuck! So I've looked, all I've literally just bunny you just hopped. Ba- you bunny hopped it. Bunny hopped it. Jesus but- Christ! Butchered the fucking. <laughs> I can do it. I can do it every day of the week, but it just for some reason I either over rotated, and I've come up too high out of that out of that air cushion and sank sank back into the fucking runway. But I got over the fucking gap. Fucking Fuck, tr- dude! Here comes the other bird class. <laughs> I haven't looked at the other half of the runway yet because I didn't consider I was going to need to use it. <laughs> so I just popped down the other side. And just kept fucking barreling down. I'm like, Fuck! All right, whatever. Rotated, got airborne I'm like, on the phone of the boss. I'm like, yep, so I'm up. Um, all our shits at this community, can we arrange for them to get put on the truck and sent to North Creek? I'm like day one of a five-day trip, mind you. So, Oh, man. But, I mean, again, that was, one of, those, that was one of those situations where I didn't have much of a choice. My choice was I could have stayed there. Or, like I said, when I thought about it later on, I found a fucking shovel and just filled the bloody crack. Yeah, like I, I would That would have made sense. Yeah. But I never did it. And you just left it for the next bloke, you bastard. I don't think that strip had been used in a while. No. There weren't a whole lot of fucking time marks on it. <laughs> and I think I now know why. It reminds me of the... Um, it, uh, was it the um, American Made? I think the movie with Tom Cruise in it. Yeah, I have. And it, like the it. drug smuggling or whatever else. Yeah. And... Uh, I think it was him, but anyway, it's same thing. They're just like he's looking at the runway gun, and they're just putting all this coke. Just keep loading just the bus. Just putting up. all this coke in his plane. It was like, like that um four hundred two up in PNG. You remember that last week? No. Australian registered four hundred two had a PNG crash and had five hundred kilos of fucking crack cocaine in it. True. I think it was. I think it was crack. But yeah, so they, they Australian pilots What's been the arrested. What's cocaine and crack cocaine? Oh, fuck knows. I don't do drugs, so I wouldn't know. No. But yeah, he was in a, a remote strip in PNG and they just loaded. I know it was 500 kilos or whatever drug was on the back of it. Um, it's due to take off and they reckon that this thing's done a couple of runs before drug runs. Had a PNG into the Torres. Right. Landed somewhere in the Torres, offloaded into boats and f- pissed off from there. True. Yeah, old mate balls it up and crashed on takeoff because it's too heavy. <laughs> oh, power and performance. Power and performance. Yeah. I bet his boss was happy. Yeah, what one? <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd probably be safer off in a PNG prison oh. if, you, if you've just torched five hundred. Well, I don't know if they wrecked it, but there's five hundred kilos of drugs in it now. Well, owned yeah. by someone else. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> by, by the government. Yeah, uh, it's um hectic flying over there. Apparently, um, it was a few years ago now, but um, there was a guy called uh, his first name was Daniel, and he was an Asian. He was an Asian-born, uh, sorry, a uh, Australian-born, but you know, Asian fella, 
and he used to be a the maddest concert pianist, right? Yeah, Do you I, remember, I remember the story. So Benny Joseph, once again, he, it was his mate. They'd flown together, that whatever else, and he was flying over there. It's only a couple of years ago, and um, we were about to head off, and uh, Ben goes, "Oh, I'm a bit concerned because uh, Daniel's crashed in, in the mountains, but he's still alive." Yeah, and he got his it. phone. He he'd managed to get out on the phone, but he was injured. And I'm like, Why how the fuck have we not heard about this? Yeah. Like, this is not on the news. This is no, not it just happened or something. Well, yeah. but but he got the phone call out, and oh, they're you know trying to rescue him, but don't know where to start, don't know what to. And I'm like, for crying out loud! And I felt bloody helpless. I was like, oh, I didn't yeah, even know. Well, so I reached out to um, to a mate of mine who I served in the army with many, many, many moons ago, and uh, a wicked guy. And I said to Brad, because I know that he spent a lot of time in PNG. Um, and he used to do, uh, he used to do, um, a, a, be a guide on the Kokoda track, right? Oh, so yeah. he's done the Kokoda track many, many times. Um, I've got to get on him on the podcast one day and have a chat. He's a mad dude. And um, I just rang him up. Now, I haven't talked to him since we were in the art, like for, you know, 18 years or something, right? Yeah. Long time, and this is the beauty of having for Facebook and Messenger and that. So I, I rang him up uh, on Messenger, and you know he's somewhere in WA at the, you know, at the pool with his kid, and he's like, "Oh, Church, how are you?" And I'm like, "Mate, sorry to <laughs> ring ya. Um, you know, I'd love to chat, but." And I told him the story, and I said, "Mate, I, I, I'm just a bit concerned that there's a bloke. It's just still alive." And nothing in the mountains, and him. and it, like it's not on the news or anything. Like you know, pardon my ignorance, but I don't. You know, I didn't know how it worked. I was like, yeah. "Fuck, we're gonna do something. I gotta do something." Anyway, and he said, uh, "He goes, well, actually, as, as it turns out, I know uh, there's a journalist over there who works for the ABC, and he's like the PNG correspondent or whatever else." And he says, "Good mate of mine, so I'll give him a ring. Um, you know, and I'll let you know what to come up with." Anyway, we went flying. So out of range. By the time I got back, um, I think I had a missed call from him and it basically just said, look, man, um, there, there is a response. There has been a response. Um, but this happens all the time. Yeah. And it's not, you know, it's not a, a it's a really common thing. I'm like, really? And he said, yeah. And, and uh, anyway, but they, I think they'd worked out that he passed away and now it was just a, a matter of trying to recover, recover him, recover him, which is really sad, but. Um, but in the end, I, I didn't mind as long as we tried something. Like I, yeah. I just, I, I didn't understand. So what I learned out of that was that this happens all the time, and uh, and it's you know ridiculous flying over there. Like we're high, You've high, high, high so, Yeah, like um, I know the lowest safe into Port Moresby is fourteen thousand six hundred feet. Yeah, you know. Um, you see, you see some photos of some of the strips over there, and they're one way in, one way out. Yeah, and but and I think this guy had been there for a while, but yeah. it was the he just got clouded by weather or something, just fucking ran into the side of a mountain. And as it turned out, the chief pilot from his outfit had crashed two weeks before, <laughs> and and I think he'd lived, maybe or maybe he died. I'm not sure, but it was like I, I can't remember. Yeah, I don't want to speak out together. of school, but yeah. Yeah, either way. Two planes from the same. I'm like, what the hell's going on over there? You see, you see stuff over there all the time. Like, it'll be a one way in, one way out. The strips either in the middle of a valley or it's right on the peak of a mountain. Mm. But you're committed. There's a certain point where you go right. You're at 500 foot above the runway. You're now committed because you will not outclimb the yeah, you mountains won't. on the other end. Yeah. Um, 
there's other other things of strips. I've, I've known a couple of guys over the years who have done some flying through there. And they said there's a couple of strips that you, you're committed to the takeoff from the moment you release the brakes because it's a downhill strip and it's a drop-off at the end of it. So And you, you're not really <laughs> airborne by the time you hit the end of the strip. You're sort of dropping off the side and continuing. Right. And I've heard stories. Now, this is anecdotal. I've, I haven't heard this from anyone who's admitted to doing it. They said there's a couple of strips that you drop off the other side. It's into a valley. It's socked in with cloud, but you got to go. And you take off, and they come off the end of the runway, and they drop down, and they go one, two, three, turn right. Still can't see shit, but that's they go. Well, I'm in the valley. I'm now three seconds into this run. I have to turn right. Or I'm going to hit the other side, and they're now popping out the bottom of the valley. I've seen photos of guys flying down, and I, this one's online. I'll I'll find it, send it through to you. Flying down a river. Look, yeah, it's a photo from a cockpit out the side. It's a, you know, a bit of a cloudy day, a bit of monsoonal weather out there. There's palm trees and coconut trees on this fucking bank. You can't see the top of the trees because they're in the cloud layer. And almost flying along below it through in the river. Jesus. <laughs> this is back in the 80s when shit was a little bit more loose. My <laughs> but it's just stuff like that. Like, and it's that cowboy culture yeah. of, well, you got to get done, you got to get done. And you hear the stories about this shit all the time. Like, I mean, again, I've flown planes knowingly overloaded when I shouldn't have. Um, you've, I've, pushed the, I've pushed the envelope on things. Now, caveat to this, I've only got 600 hours. I've got I've been in aviation for a long time, but I've never flown commercially. I've flown a lot of different places, but I got a drop of a drop, a drop in the ocean in terms of experience for this. I've done a lot of dumb shit. Mm. And so like, well, you sort of step back and go, "Ooh, I really shouldn't have done that." And I mean, I, I've never done those mistakes again. But there's a lot of pressure on guys, especially from commercial aspect. You've got to go get there right, as they call it. You're airborne. I don't have a night rating, or I don't have an instant rating. Shit, it's getting a bit late. Uh, I'll just keep pushing. I'm only an hour from home. And you're flying past perfectly good airstrips. Mm. I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. Like I did one out of Manangrita. Um, middle of wet season, we took off out of no Millingimby. Took off out of Millingimby going to Manangrita. So there was a monsoonal storm coming through and it was coming in from Gove. So it's coming in from the east, moving west. We took off, had to get to Manangrita for uh, had to get to Manangrita for fuel. Couldn't push all the way through to Dalt. Took off and I'm at a thousand feet because the cloud layer is just solid on top of me and I'm flying along the coast. We can hear guys on the radio coming in from Darwin, blue skies and sunshine on the other side because the storm front was moving through. So they were fine. They, they were getting in and out of Manning Greeter and I'm on the radio going, fuck, if I can just get there, I'll be right. Playing along the coast, going coastal from one point, coastal to another point. So I'm going to get there. I don't need to fucking follow a map. I just got to... F- ocean on this side, fucking water on, uh, land on that side, I'll get there. Yeah. I'm about 11 miles from Manangrita and going, fuck, I should be able to see this now because Manangrita itself's out on a spit. I go, I should be able to see that fucking spit by now. No, I can't do it, can't do it. Just happened to look down and go, I'm at 400 feet. The cloud layer had slowly been descending and without realising it, I've just been, because I'll just keep my head out of it, I've just been slowly descending underneath it. Oh, fuck, that's not good. Um, all right, well, I can't see Manangrita. I don't think we get to Manangrita at this rate. Look to the right, that cloud just keeps going down over the ocean. We're going back to Millingimby. Hook it around, start flying back to Millingimby. Uh, that's a wall of water. So Ugh. a storm would come through from the other side. Like, shit. Do the numbers, or I can go to Gove. Manangrita and Gove are the only two options I've got for juice. All right, let's go to Millingimby. I can wait at Millingimby for 15 minutes, and then I've got to push through. The only smartest thing I did was keep an accurate fuel log. <laughs> so the runways at Millingimby are 1129, like the main one in Darwin. So I'm on what would be the upwind of 2.9 and I'm just sitting there doing donuts because I can see the runway 
no one else is out flying because no one else would be dumb enough to do this. Right <laughs> and I'm just sitting there doing bog laps going, it's either going to clear and I can oh, I can just shoot straight in for the circuit or I'll have to make it through and I can watch this storm rolling through. And as I've turned around for what would be our final for 1-1, one, one, the GPS ground speed's just dropped. And I'm like, fuck you, yeah, I've got a headwind. Look ahead. I can see half of that runway. Screw it, I'm landing. Shot in there and I've said the guy next to me, he's just sitting there going, yeah, sweet. Because I'm... I, my great one of my, my my faults is I can look super confident and super in charge, and in, in inside I'm just on a fucking fire. I'm a dumpster fire going on in the head because I got no idea. Outside I'm cool, calm, and collected. And yeah. I was doing. Oh, yeah, I'm sitting on a seat going, "Fuck! If I screw this up, we're screwed." I even said to him, "I said, look, just a heads up. If I have to bail out on it, because he could see something was wrong. So if I have to bail out on this one, I'm going to go left. We are going to fly into that, but that's the lesser of two evils because I ain't flying into that, which was just black cloud. You could see lightning, and I was like, I'm knocked up. That way I know is clear if I keep going left. I don't know what's that way. As we've rotated, touchdown, right on the piano keys. Front wheel comes down, bang, straight into the storm. Again, like flying through a dust, I can't see the prop. I'm looking out the side and counting the bloody runway markers as they come past. And at Milling Gimby, the apron is down the far end. So I've got to go the whole length of the runway. Taxi and there's an Air North flight there. Had been waiting to depart because the weather was so shit. Oh, here's me in this tiny little fucking dinky 172. Roll up, taxi in there, unload our shit, strap it down, walk in there, and the fucking pilots are like, Did you seriously just, like, were you waiting out on the runway? I said, No, I just landed. And they're like, What? <laughs> I said, like, Yeah, you know, we, we were right. We landed. I had about half a runway. I could see what I was doing. And old man just looking at me, shaking his head, like, You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I was there for three days. <laughs> it got that bad. We were socked in at Milling Gimby for three days. Fair dinkum. Yeah, because every time we went out to have a look at the runway, like, I'd go out there and wait for about half an hour. But I couldn't see the runway from the parking area, which is about 50 metres. Yeah, I'm not going to try yeah, that. If you can't back. see that, you're not taking off in that. No. Nah. Nah. But again, it was that get there itis. Mm. I got airborne. I, I checked the weather. So what I read on the weather didn't reflect what was actually happening outside. First time I learned not to trust the weatherman. But it was just that get there itis because the, I could hear guys on the other side. I had hear guys over the other side of Mount Greta coming in from the west. It was perfectly fine. Like, fuck. Couple more minutes and I'll be through it. Couple more minutes and, and I stop. You know the aviate, navigate, communicate. Mm. I stopped flying the plane. I just had this in my mind. I've just got to go. Just got to go. Just got to go. Not looking down. If I had, if what what's to say if I if I'd left it a lot longer? I, it's a problem with the ocean that pad. It looks the same as a cloud. You've seen it. So that slight slant. You, nothing to say. I just would have skipped in all the fucking water if I hadn't been paying. If I just hadn't looked down and realized shit, I'm at four hundred feet. Yeah. Didn't even notice I've been pushed down six hundred feet. So that's crazy, man. Never done that again. You know yeah, what? It's, that again. it's interesting uh, when I when I started in aviation. You know, because I came out of out of uh, transport, so yeah. you know, 10, 10 plus years in transport. And uh, you know, I just i I was blown away by the amount of similarities between aviation and, and transport, particularly when it comes to general aviation. So, you know, professional outfit like what we're doing at the moment. Um, you know, it's extremely safe and whatever else yeah. but what i learned as i met all the pilots and it's very much like transport when you start out generally you start out in, in something small you might have a heavy rigid to drive that around for a while you get your semi-license you might do a truck and dog around town you know so which i think is a good place to start because you know you two pivot points so you get good at backing things and yeah you know um Driving around the place, it's small, it's tidy, you know, you're not going to run over anybody if you take a corner too too tight, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and then you work your way up to bigger stuff. And hopefully, along the way, you've learnt a fair bit about trucking because there's two types of truckies. There's a steering wheel attendant 
Yep. And then there's a heavy vehicle operator. Yep. Right? And one of them's a fucking highly reasonably professional, you know, squared away bloke who knows, bloke or Sheila, but who knows what the hell they're doing and they can go backwards just as well as they can go forwards. Yep. Right? And then you've got steering wheel attendants. And they're only good for, you know, you don't even let them put their own trailers together, you know. You, they just come to the yard, they hook their truck up to the first trailer and then they go depot to depot. And they can't fuck it up. And look, to be honest, a lot of them are like that and they're fine. They're quite they're, safe. There's a lot of guys that are happy doing that as well. That's they're quite safe. Do. They do, you know, they stop where they're supposed to and their logbook's fine and, and they're just happy doing that and they get to the other end and, you know. But if they break down or, God forbid, they need to change their own tyre <laughs> or they don't know their own load restraints correctly, or, you know, just say so there's a lot more to it than that. But either way, um, when you're like... Big companies, things are f- generally a bit safer and, and things are maintained well. But then there's blokes who are owner-operators owner and it's a tough fucking business, man, being yeah. a sabi, right? And it's that saying they've got to get their riders, you yeah. know, cooking the book, having the little button underneath the dash that switches the speed limiter off, you know, overloading. But you, fucking, you, you get you, drivers, you get guys that w- they'll... For fear of losing their job, that they'll push it. They have to, man, because yeah. the only way you don't get paid by the hour, you get paid by the kilometer. Yeah, it's more casey, right? right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, the margins are shit, you know, because if you're a subby, you got to take the work. Generally, it's all the snotty stuff that yeah. nobody else wants to cart. I mean, it's not that's not across the board, but what it does is it brings in, you know, those. Cutting corners and and yeah. there's just safety goes out the window and and it's just go 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 and that's where you know blokes get into drugs you know and things like that and you know it's a high stress environment yeah before you add that shit into it yeah then you add fatigue into it exactly and you know what some t- like I I've might have done it you know I've had to overload things and you know I've cooked my book more times than I care to admit I mean I had this racket going with one bloke I drove for when I first started doing interstate and um, you know at that stage you only had a 12 hour logbook because if you do a basic fatigue management course then you can do 14 hours a day instead of 12 and it's kind of handy but if you're doing a load of general freight from Adelaide to Sydney and it's 1374 k's right that you can't do that on a 12-hour logbook. It's just not going to happen. Well, no, you just physically you can't do it. Even if you're doing 100 kilometres an hour you're not the whole time, <laughs> you still can't do it on a 12-hour logbook. Yeah. Um, so, and there's cameras. Like, there's a few cameras along the way. So, you know, obviously they've built these these big camera, um, you know, camera spots, right? And they're, you know, on the all major freight routes between all capital cities pretty much all around. Yeah. WA, not so much, I don't think. NT, I don't think we've got cameras, but certainly South Australia, New South Wales, Queensland, Victoria, there's point-to-point cameras. Yeah. So you can't go underneath these things. And it'll even, if you've gone under one, you know, out just coming out of Adelaide, and then you go one through uh, underneath near border town, I think it might even be one at Taylor and Ben now, and then you go across the border and there's another one at fucking, you know, Timbuktu, and then there's another one along the way. And... If you pass, you can pass under them and it just takes a picture of the truck yeah. and, the, and the thing. But it'll work out if you've done more than your five hours before you and haven't had a break because it's worked out your average speed. Yeah, it, and it, it can time. work out exactly the, the maximum amount of time 
Sorry, the, the absolute minimum amount of time you can do that stretching exactly. whilst exactly. conforming to A, the speed and limit. Indeed. B, your fatigue. And okay, well, if you've gone from here to here, it's going to take you this amount of time at this, if you maintain this speed for the entire length and you've had this required break, this required break. Exactly. And it's going to know. In theory, that, that works well. Um, it's a pain in the ass, <laughs> right? But it, but it, it does, you know, it's trying, to, it's trying to get safety into trucking. Right now, that's only on them major freight routes, okay? But there's just there's like everything, there's ways around it. Yeah, you know. And all that does take a picture of your truck, and so you know it, it, and it works out the timeline. Now, if if something doesn't marry up, they send the owner of the of the of the truck or the company. They send them a letter and go, please explain, show your logbook pages and whatever else. So this fucking moron that I, that I had to drive for, and I was young, you know. And uh, he'd go, listen, mate, you know, you've fucking two trips to Sydney a week and, you know, you get 700 bucks a trip and I bet you've never earned money like that before. And I'd be like, well, no, that's a fair bit of fucking money. Yeah. I had no idea about what two trips to Sydney and back a week, right? That means you got fucking, you get, you know, a day and a bit to get there and then you unload, reload, fuck around, day and a bit to get back to Adelaide, unload, reload, fuck around there, have one day off. And, and then turn it all over again if you have that one day. Well, then you turn around, go back and do it again, and then try and have a day. Well, it was fucked. It was fucked. So the only way to do it was to have a day, was to, was to like push, you know, and try and squeeze as much in as you could. So what it would do, he'd fucking, he'd be in Adelaide and he's got his own logbook and he wasn't driving his truck because I was driving his truck. So. He'd fill his logbook so out. Going, yeah. Right? He'd yep. fill his logbook out. I drove the truck from Adelaide to Yamba. Yeah. Right? And then I'd start my book from Yamba to Sydney. Right? And then and then I'd when I got back to Yamba, I'd close my book off, tell him what the Ks were and the time and whatever else. And then he'd, he'd write, write it in so his book. So he'd make it look like there was two drivers. Right? Yeah. That, that we were just doing a, a changeover at Yamba. And uh, and I'd presumably was just magically still in fucking Yamba, right? Or whatever. <laughs> Yamba Yunter, either one, yeah. and so then that's how he made it work, and that and then and because you know obviously I went under all the cameras, and so every every couple of times a week he'd get a letter, please explain, and he'd just send the logbook pages in, and everything was fine. And then one day I had a load of, oh, I did something, I, I went to fucking Sydney, unloaded, and then I had to go up to like sanitarium or something to pick up fucking wheat picks, and it was out towards Newcastle. And I didn't even think because I was so cooked, man. I was so tired, yeah. and I'm just fucking hooking it out there. And I, I, and this is like before fucking Google Maps. Like I, ha- I always had the old, the old book. Yeah, the used old to have a big one for maps, Sydney yeah. and a big one for fucking Brisbane. And thankfully, I didn't have to go to Melbourne much. Um, but yeah, and you're fucking on the steering wheel, looking at the book, trying to make sure <laughs> you know where the, the fuck, fuck you're going. going. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so you know, I'm hooking along there, and. And oh, fucking, I saw it coming, and you're on a freeway, and I was like, "Fuck, that's a camera." And like, he didn't fucking tell me, or maybe he didn't know. But as soon as I'm hooking out that way, I went under the next camera from you know between Sydney and Newcastle, which wouldn't have been a problem, except I'd already done all the other fucking cameras all day, yeah, right, to get through. And uh, that little fuck up cost me eight hundred and fifty bucks. Ooh. Yeah. Just be before demerits as well, yeah. Yeah, I think. So it just I'm not sure if it. Yeah, it was certainly a fine, um, and uh, and it was a like a court appearance, fucking fine. Like this is when they were really starting to crack down on this shit. Anyway, and I just, 
you know, and then so that's a that's a, that's an insidious one there where you know you're doing dodgies to to yeah. try and, and it was all about you know um, getting it done, get their artists, got to fucking you know squeeze it in and got to get as many trips as you can because that's the only way you make money. Yeah, right. And because trucks still break down, you still need fucking tires. You know, you still got to. You know, and you've got to pay your driver and fucking insurances and everything. Trucks like, sitting in the yards costing oh, you money. man, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's not on the road. It's not fucking earning your cash. Exactly. You know, and particularly if you can't work, if there's not a lot you can do to your own trucks, if you can't work on them, like, because you're not cluey enough, right? If you can do your own work, then you save yourself a lot of money. But anyway, you know, and then the... So just to get back, but, you know, those similarities and, and when I was hearing some of these stories coming out of GA... Yeah. You know, about general aviation and about this push artist and getting paid fuck all, you know. And so the pay rates are shit. So, of course, you want to do more because, yeah, you want flying hours. And they use that. They use the oh, fact shit, that you yeah. want fucking flying hours, right? Yep. And they're like, oh, no worries. Well, we'll pay you fucking peanuts. You get as many hours as you like. But, you know, which sure is a trade-off. But I bet there's safety implications in there that you Garen are just not fucking told. So, like, you know, the average person will come out of training. So from go to away from me... So the day I first set foot in a flying school to the day I left, I was about a hundred grand in the hole. Now, yeah, I was that, lucky. I was lucky enough that amount. I'd always wanted to fly. Can you hex that? Not at that time. You can now, but you when I now. did it, you could. So you just had you just had to come up with the money as you went. So Fuck I me. worked through high school and I had two years out of high school and so shit before I um, before I went away. And living at home and my folks knew what I wanted to do. I knew what I wanted to do. So I just stashed everything. Like I was lucky enough for folks. Like, I didn't have to pay rent. They helped me put fuel in the car, but I had fuck all expenses. I didn't really go out. Um, everything just got stashed. Just put everything away I could. I think I financed about 80K of it on my own back. Yeah. Parents kicked in the last 20K, which was the instant rating because I didn't wasn't originally planning on doing that. So most guys come home with 100 grand in the in, in debt. Yeah. A lot of these guys have gone and got personal loans or they've gotten loans to do this sort of shit back when we did it. So you get your first job out in the fucking ass in nowhere. Uh, Hooker Creek is a great place. He's a big company out there. Um, large money where it doesn't exist anymore. Um, so your first job's out there. So you're already in a community which isn't a cheap place to fucking li- uh, live anyway. Okay, nah. You can't spend your money on fuck all but food. Nah. But even that's expensive at the only store you can shop at. Mm. Most of these places are making you pay rent. Really? So you're having to fucking pay rent because you're going to cover your cost of utilities. You've got your fucking power. You've got your water. You've got your fucking internet. You've got to cover all that sort of shit out there. Oh, by the way, we're going to pay you casual. And you only get it paid for the hours you fly. Uh, so a single engine... That's like paying a truckie per kilometre instead so of... So your first job's going to be flying a single. You cannot legally fly with passengers in a commercial environment under the IFR conditions. Has to be VFR. Mm. The fucking wet season's flying out. You could go for two weeks without touching the plane. You, you still got to go to work. Still office work to do. Fucking aircraft need to be cleaned and maintained and shit like that. But you're not getting paid because you're not flying. So you've got loan debts... You got payments of shit rigid that are due, so everyone starts pushing the pushing the boundaries. You don't want to rock the boat because mm. you don't want to lose your job. Mm. The aviation industry from the, at the bottom, it's not it's fucking turned on its head now. But it used to be there'd be a shit ton of pilots, so everyone's hours minimum requirements would go up, or that that that'd be willing to cut your conditions of what you're going to get because if you're not willing to accept it, this bloke will. Yeah. Um, and then it will flip on the other end. The airlines back in the day would start hiring everything. Everyone move up over the course of a couple of years and all the bottom-feeding frigging companies would go, holy shit, we've got no pilots. So they'd lower their minimums, they'd throw better conditions at you. So it's up and down. It's an industry that shoots itself in the foot. You see it happen all the time. Um, but yeah, so you've got these guys that, that'll push. <laughs> <laughs> I'm having trouble. Can't work out, operate your own fucking seat. 
Jesus Can't Christ. drive a truck. Yeah. <laughs> Can't work out a fucking seat. It's only two levers down there, mate. It's a fucking 50-50 chance, right? But these guys will push the fucking boundaries of what they should do. Now, back in the day, Kununurri used to be like Mecca. There's a bunch of scenic operators out of there. Your first job was going to be in the fucking Broom or Cunners, generally. Right. Um, was an operator, Where are you from? WA? Born and bred, Don. Actually, oh, oh. I, I lie. Born and bred in Alice. Okay. I've lived my entire life up here apart from a fucking Canadian stint. Yep. Um, but yeah, so there was a company over there, Alligator Airways. Don't exist anymore. Um, and this is just a little of indication of how bad it was. The owner of that company was a, a mechanic. Vehicle. Not aircraft. Vehicle. <laughs> you sort of see where this is going. Yep. So they operate in air vans um, and they had a whole bunch of them that were turboed. This particular air van, old mate got into, and this is all, fu- there's footage of this on the internet because people were filming it out of the back of the plane. They load up. This particular air van, the turbo's fucked. The owner of the company has told this young pilot, first job, only I think it was only a couple of weeks into it, checked a line and all that sort of stuff. Oh no, she's fine. If the turbo's not working, it's the same as a naturally aspirated engine. No, 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 it's not. But young fella, not wanting to rock the boat, oh, fucking, it was the second plane he'd gotten into for the day, mind you. Um, so they're already delayed with the fucking punters who will pay this cash, jumps in, taxis out, hoons off down the runway. Plane's not producing all the fucking power. It gets airborne, just. He's now realised, hmm, something's wrong. I'm not climbing. <laughs> no shit. You've got no turbo. Turns around to come back, because off that, I can't remember what the runways are. At, um, I think it was the eastern-facing runway. It's a whole bunch of ploughed fields that you do not want to fucking put a plane in, because their ruts are deep. Mm-hmm. So he decides he'll turn around and come back to the fucking... So he does a big 180-degree fucking turn, wingtips like yay far off the fucking ground, and that's filmed by a passenger in the back off a phone. You can see as it does a right hand turn, I'm looking at it going, I'm surprised the wing didn't hit the ground. And he puts the thing back on the taxiway because there's a parallel taxiway at Connors, and that's where he landed. Jesus Christ. But it was that get there itis because yep. the boss has said the fucking plane's good to go. You've got to go, you've got to go, you've got to go. Now, again, he should he would have known better. He's done the course. He would have under, understood that a turbo, no, no working turbo, you're, you're, you can't go. Yeah, that's where we get down half on your performance. Power, half your performance yeah. is gone. But he, it was just that fucking commercial pressure on his back. Like the amount of guys that'll fly overloaded, that'll fly into bad weather. Just because the book says you can legally do it doesn't mean you can. Mm. So one of the questions I got asked when I did my commercial pilot's license test is you do an hour of theory before you even touch a plane. And one of the scenarios I was given, right, you're flying from here to here. So I was fucking out of Moorabbin to uh, King Island or something like that across the strait. Here's the weather report. Can you do it? And I'm looking at it and going, fuck, she's marginal. But by the letter of the law, yes, I can. Mm. But as I said, and we said legally, yes. Personally, no, I wouldn't, because mm. I'm not flying across yeah, the ocean. Like that'd be a good answer. Yeah, and that's what they're looking for. Like, <coughs> I only what's the requirement? A thousand feet above a built-up area, five hundred feet above everything else, unless you're taking off or landing. The fucking cloud layer was what was it? It was overcast at six hundred feet. Mm. Well, fucking legally, I got the viz, and legally I can fly along. Fucking happy as Larry at five hundred feet. I'm not fucking doing it. But there will be guys that turn around and say, no, legally you can. You fucking get in that plane and go or you lose your job. And there's a lot of guys that have had that happen to them. And yep. you, you ask most pilots, they'll all have a horror story like that. Yep. Or they'll, they'll have known people who've got horror stories. And it's not until you start moving up through, you get to the right company and all that disappears. Like, yeah, I, I know yep. our guys get a little bit of pressure to, to fly, but there's not a single point of those guys out the front. If they go, not happy with it, not taking it. No one argues with it. No. Every single person turns around and goes, Fine with that. And we're lucky enough that we've got our own engineers who know those things like the back of their hand. We're all on a headset. We've all done the job long enough. So everyone, and we can sit down. The, and I've done it before. Hey, guys, looks like there's oil on the fucking wing. All right, let's stop. No one's, no one's nah. going, nah, she's be right. 
All right, let's go and have a look at it. But there's other co- there's other fucking companies that go and eh, just patch that shit. Ah, oh, shit, fuck it, you'd be right, just fly with it. Yeah. And people put and it costs lives. Yeah. It really look, does. I I mean, and that's once again, you know, with with transport, just the same thing. You know, the smaller companies, and then if you if you're lucky, you get to a big company yeah. um, that has a good rep and has a great um, maintenance program and everything like that, and pretty much set rosters almost and set runs and and you know so you might get paid by the k but you know it's pretty much you're guaranteed a certain amount of yeah. you know k's and whatever else and you know that one of the last companies i worked for before or transferred to aviation but we got paid by the hour right and we got paid the maximum amount you could get paid was 12 and a half hours a day okay yep. so that was the 12 hours of your logbook yep and your second half an hour break so you had to have two half-hour breaks within that 12 hours. Your second half-hour was paid. Yep. So you get paid 12 and a half hours a day. It's not bad. And what that means is, once you've done your 12 and a half hours work, why the fuck do you want to keep working for? Because yeah, you're you, not getting paid. You're not getting paid for it. Right? You, you could get another 100k down the road, but... Yeah. And your logbook needed to match. They made it so your logbook should match your run, your, your, pay, your uh, pay, pay sheet or whatever else. Yep. So you just put them in together. And it was perfect. Right, because the only time that you would ever do a little bit extra hours, and then you'd add that on somewhere else, like so it all worked out in the wash, was that if it suited you a little bit, okay? So you're off the road, out on on a mine access road that you're building to go and pick a machine up, right? And you just, you want it loaded tonight so that you don't have to fuck around in the morning because you're going to get held up for yeah, some just reason. Just get on the road. Yeah, so yeah. you just, you know, your books, you sort of run out of hours for the, for the day. But I'm going to jingle out there anyway, throw it on, Right, and then I'm going to wander out. Now, you know, that's that's fine because you're doing it within your own fatigue levels and whatever. It's not because you're being pushed to do it. Yeah. It's because it suits you a little bit and maybe that means you get an hour sleep in tomorrow morning because you don't have to fuck around. Like, whatever, however it works out in the wash, you know? Yeah. But, so the, the hours, you know, and, and as far as the employer was concerned, like, you know, you would expect, oh, well, that's a pain in the ass. you know, blokes are just going to, Book book twelve and a half hours every day, and they're never, you know, yeah, they're, they're not going to do that. They'll only drive for ten hours a day instead of twelve hours, and rah rah. Well, that never fucking happens. You know why? Speak one money because truckies don't sit around. Well, not pretty much all. Every truckie I ever knew doesn't like sitting around waiting, and they want to do the the K's because they want to get home. Yeah, right. They want to be out here all fucking, you know. So, and sometimes you might be out for weeks. You know, moving machines around or whatever else, and eventually you get something that gets you back to the depot, and so you're back at the depot, and then you have a few days off. You know, you're not sitting on the side of the road fucking do. Oh, I'm just going to do 600 k's today. You know, no, it doesn't work that <laughs> That's way. That's not how it goes. Because you, you're bored out of your fucking skull. I, I'm, I'm here to drive. Like I'm here yeah. to, you know. So, you know, you wander off and you pull over for a half hour break. I guarantee you, most of the time, you know, you don't need half an hour to have a shit, get a hamburger, and a cup of coffee. You know, by the time that's like ten minutes, yeah, <laughs> it's like that's fifteen minutes. So you're yeah. already standing there, sort of by the truck door, you know, just counting down like the minutes watching. that you can get going again. Yeah. So as far as I was concerned, that was the best way. Um, blokes that are paid well and given a bit of leeway to fucking to work their own shit out and not pushed, generally speaking, are way more productive, much safer, oh, shit, yeah. right? And just happier fucking blokes, right? Treat people like a fucking adult. Yeah, like. 
I'll throw this back to that fucking that betting center job I worked in. Here's a great example of that. You were treated like a kid. Yeah. Really were. Like it was it was a management against everyone else. So as a team leader, one of, one of my jobs was to fucking walk up and down the aisles of where all the people were sitting to make sure no one was on their phones. People weren't on websites, weren't work related. That people were, you know, fucking on the toe on the line. A phone one I can understand. Everyone's got a smartphone, it's got a camera in it. We had access to people's personal information, mm. identity information, banking, like un, un, um, uncensored banking information, unredacted. So it was just click and I've got everything you need. Mm. So that one made sense. But just being treated like a fucking kid. Oh, guys, there's too much noise. Fucking keep it down. Two people having a fucking chat about, nah, got fucking focus on your work. It's a bit hard when you wait for a call to come through. You can't just sit there and make work happen. But you were treated like a kid. Yeah. Same one, like, you'd earn, you get paid fortnightly. You could do overtime. Um, you got uh, penalty rates for, you know, working past 8 p.m., working past midnight, weekends, all that sort of shit. But if you had a day off sick with a fucking sick certificate, during that pay cycle, you would lose any um, penalty rate or any what they call enhancement on top of your base salary for that pay cycle. That's a bit... Because rough. it wasn't registered as a penalty rate, it was registered as an enhancement to your pay, they could get away with it. Oh, dodgy bastards. So you can imagine what happens with that where people go on a, go on a work sick. Like I, I nearly ended up um, having to do a hospital trip one Christmas because I went to work with a frigging fever. Shouldn't have gone to work. Mm. I was in the office sweating and freezing my balls off at the same time. I go, fuck it, I'll just wait for the next team leader to get here. 7 a.m., I'm the only one here. I'll wait for the next one to roll up and I'll go to fucking dogs. Mm. Doctor one looked at me and said, you, if you can't break this fever in like two hours, go to the goddamn hospital. Yeah. And I was off for three days. Yeah, yeah. But of course, I'd rolled up to work, mm. but I chose to go home. Nah, you fucking sick day, you lose all this shit. I'd work the Christmas period. Mm. Nah, you can fucking go home. So. But they, but they weren't. They were treating everyone like fucking kids. And like you're saying, if you treat your fucking workforce as adults, you let them. You don't micromanage every single little facet. People will be more productive. Yeah. People will go that extra mile. But you know, the other and if is, they're not, fucking hire new people. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, it makes it easier. Yeah. People will self-select out of shit. They really will. If they're left to their own device, oh, I don't fucking like this. Oh, look, just keep doing it. Yep. Yeah. People like to have a bitch. People like to have a wench. I like misery loves company. So they like to be in a bitch with the other person and feel fucking better about themselves before they <laughs> getting that feedback they leave. Hey, have you ever sat in a room with a bunch of truckies? Holy shit. Just bitch, bitch, bitch. Oh, bitch. man, it's out of control. I, I used imagine. to I'd have, like, I was a transport supervisor for a while and, <clears throat> and um, I swear to God, I'd go to work, I'd go to work and I'd run the, uh, you know, I might, I'd, I might have a couple of truckies in the morning, you know, maybe some local guys doing a bit of tip of work and, but I knew that I had trucks coming in that day from wherever. They've been out for a while. And yeah. So you get a couple of truckies together, that's all right. And I set the day and whatever else and everything's fine, okay? And then by lunchtime, okay, a couple more truckies have come in and they're all, rather than doing things they should be doing, they're sitting around, you know, smoking durries and drinking coffee and <laughs> fucking... Yeah, and having, having a bit. time. Yeah, yeah, having a bitch. <laughs> and I walk into the bloody, into the brew room and it's just like... Hey, Churchy, what about this bloody bullshit about, you know, whatever? And daughters have to change their own fucking tyres. I'm like, I left you guys. I left you guys four <laughs> hours ago. And everything was sweet. And now you're just getting hammered. How come, you know, this and that? Oh, fuck's sake. Yeah. You know who else is like that? Pilots. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I don't know if it's just pilots. pilots. It's us. Yeah. It's all of us. And I mean, 
<sighs> yet, yet the pilots do have a, had a bit of a whinge about things and shit. We don't help because we're fucking, we're just enablers. <laughs> like, I've, I don't know I've, flown, I've flown with you and there's a couple other, and you know the guys I'm talking about, I won't say names, but a couple other MCs, and you just sit there and you go, oh, they're not happy. Just poke. <laughs> just poke. Poke. It. Just wait for it. Or yeah. if you want one particular MC, you go, oh, they're not happy about something. Let's pull a pin on that grenade, fucking toss that up in the cockpit, shut that door. Yeah. Um, two, poof, and off they go on their tangent about something they're not happy with. I, like, I, don't, I, don't get me wrong. A bit of bitching's good. A bit of bitching's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, a little bit's good. But it can go to the extreme. A little bit needs to be expected too, I guess, you know, because yeah. people spend most of their time at work with work people, you know. But And we're and in, I, we're in a unique not, environment as well where... You can't get away. No. You're for six hours locked in a fucking pressurised cigar tube. That's it. Mm. You can't. You, you can go to another group for a little bit, but it doesn't take a whole lot for the person up front go, click, <laughs> hey, I'm with you again. Hey, I'm with you again. Just connect your headset, out comes the microphone. I know Captain has done that before. You just can't get away from it. No. So you got to understand there's a bit of that bitching that goes on, but... No, it just... Uh, it, uh, yeah, it just takes me back. Oh, man. Yeah, always just finding something to bitch about. And it just doesn't matter. Like, it's just little yeah. shit. You know, who cares? Just shut up and do your job. Pretty much. Oh, right. if I can, why do I have to change my own tyres? Because you signed on the dotted line that said <laughs> you have to change tyres, you fuck with, you know? Yeah. Like, just people get, forget get that little, little side of things. Yeah. I was thinking I, about. Again, people bitching is, it, it's not a bad thing. It's the, li- the little things are fine. Because not if people are micro picking, tiny little things to have a whinge about. They're generally happy with their job. They're yeah, just trying look, to find something to whinge about. Well, well here's like the thing: it, if people have, um, if people are whinging about the little things, uh, that's that's okay, and you need to like at at a certain point, it's just decompressing a little. It's bit, letting right? off steam. Yeah, you're just decompressing a little bit, and and because if you're not, then your your team's not really meshing that well, and then something's brewing, like really insidious, is probably brewing oh, yeah. underneath, and that's bad. Yeah, no, that's bad. Because when they pop off, they go off. And yeah, yeah. They, they, they go off like Beirut. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon, mate. Not, Too really, soon. not really. No. But, I mean, it's did somebody Did somebody send a photo out, apparently? Like, I want to know how true this is. There's a photo, like, this was taken in that shed beforehand, and it's just these massive bags of ammonium nitrate just, like, that's what stacked on top of each other. Yeah, so apparently what I was reading is... Did you see that is, photo? Yeah, so the warehouse was storing... Yeah, 250, was it 2,500 tonnes? 2,500 tonnes. So, 2.0, no, yeah, something, something, like, but it was, um, it was ammonium nitrate that was seized off a freighter out of Lebanon Harbour or something. It was going somewhere over there. So, it's not normally a place where they, s- no, so store this should that. have been seized. Um, uh. it was going to North Korea, I think it was where the shipment was going. And Lebanon went, nah, fuck is, we know what that shit's going to be for. So, they seized it and they actually confiscated the cargo. So it had been stored in that dock for fucking couple of years. I think it was saying tw- almost 2013 or 2014 when this shit had been seasoned. It had been sitting there. I mean, you know as well, it's fucking fertiliser. It's perfectly fine it, without it. Needs something added to it to pop it off. It's diesel, isn't it? Uh, it, it? Diesel, any sort of fuel. Most of it's diesel. Okay. Is what it gets added to it. But when you look at... It's, a fire started initially because if you look at the first photo, that's why there's so many fucking camera angles of it. It's a big building on fire. It yeah. just didn't happen to be randomly everyone looking at the exact right moment. Mm. But you can see fireworks going off because there was fireworks stored in the fucking building as well. So all this shit after time has just been getting stored and stored. Seriously, and stored. fireworks? Yeah, you can, you can see it if you look at the footage. Um, there's a couple of uh, I've, I've seen. Yeah, I've seen. Have all a look of them, at the actually have a look at the smoke before it goes off. Yeah. You can see fireworks going off inside it. So something's something's lit it. What to me is the iffy part is what accelerant's been added to that fucking because. <laughs> 
but the whole lot of it needs to be wet. You can't have a little bit of ammonium nitrate and the and everything else is fucked because it's inert without an accelerant. So what's been added to it for this? Because that's gone. Like you've seen the aerial photos of it, right? Mm. It's, it's that's a giant fucking explosion. Yeah. So it's and then the Lebanese president or prime minister, whatever he is, and that that circle of government, how they work, it has given the investigators three days to find out what's happened. Three days. Three days to find out what's going on. What? It, what? They it, don't want. And they don't want international investigators to come in and help. They're now saying, um, oh, "Well, fucking Trump doesn't help." But he's saying, "Oh, well, it's either this or it was a bomb or a missile." This is coming from the fucking leader of that country. It's like I can understand how you'd confiscate this shit and then forget it's there because you just haven't done anything with it. Mm. But there's, you know, old Swiss cheese model. But I can't see the Swiss cheese fucking model of everything lining up. Yeah, there was a, there's, apparently there's a picture of a dude who was welding. Like you've seen the photos, a dude welding something on a floor near bags of this ammonium nitrate. There's now fireworks that yeah, are stored. Like you say, like, I mean, ammonium nitrate by itself is... is it's fertiliser. It's just fertiliser. You throw that shit on your yard. Like, yeah. Now, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but my understanding of it is unless the, that ammonium nitrate is mixed with, say, diesel and accelerant, yep. that component is the explosive part. That's what turns it into a bomb. Yeah. But it's not like, not like a piece of C4 where it... It, on its own is fine. Yeah. You jam a fucking detonator, the whole thing turns to an explosive. Yeah, I, my understanding is the entire like if you got a bag of fucking fertilizer, pour diesel on half of it on the other half, that other half's not going to go off. Yeah. That's my understanding. I could be totally wrong on this, but yeah, you wonder what how how like if the chain reaction was big enough that it just continues going. Maybe continue it, going. Po- I mean, shit, but yeah, it's that's possible. But I, I, that's why I, I mean, maybe I'll have to. I wish we had a Jamie. Well, well you not actually, he's, do. He's, he's just not here. Oh, fucking JB. <laughs> JB, you piece of shit. Where are you? Yeah. Uh, no, no, it's, it's just, it, that's, that's a weird one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, we'll have to see what uh, comes out. I mean, out, there, is, there is part, because knowing that region, there is part of me that just wants it to be just a fucking bad luck. Mm. And old mate who was welding just happened to spark off some fucking firecrackers and away she's gone. Yeah. But I mean, was that shit fucking, the, when they pulled it off the boat, had it already been soaked in diesel? If, yeah, well, if what they're saying it's true is it was getting shipped, I, I think it was North Korea that I read, and I glanced over when I was looking at it this morning going, oh, look, the world's still on fire um, <laughs> through the news this morning. But maybe it had come off and it was already been soaked in an accelerant ready to go, and it's just been stored there, and maybe that's all it needed. No one knew about it or yeah. what's been going on, but it's, look, just, too many th- it's just too many coincidences to yeah. line up that you've got a dude welding that... I mean, okay, yeah, let's be honest, this Lebanon. What's, what's that, Arkham's Razor? Generally the... Arkham's uh, Razor, generally the most obvious. Yeah. yeah, generally the... Is it the it's most generally obvious? The, most, the, the, the simplest, most obvious solution is generally, generally the, the right, right one. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, I'm going to have to look into that, that, how much of it has to be soaked. I'm going to have to Google the shit out of that later. Yeah, just be careful, you might fucking end up on a no-fly list somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. can see that shit happen. I better fire up the VPN first. Yeah, just use someone yeah. else's computer you don't like. Um, do you remember that? Like, because a couple of days ago when that video came out and I was just like, and I just went, okay, it's on fire, like whatever. And then and boom, boom, and I was like, get the fuck out of it. It was mad. Remember that? Um, just the pressure few, wave. Yeah, yeah. Remember a few years ago, the uh, the gas explosion in China? Have you seen that one? No, don't know. There's these like... Americans, I'm pretty sure they're Americans or Canadians or whatever, staying in a, by the sound of their voices, they're staying in a, in a hotel room and they're filming out the, out the window, right? Yeah. And the, the gas plant 
thingy is on fire. It's right over there, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's just and it's on fire. And then there's a big explosion, boom, right? And it's like holy shit. And then, then there's the explosion, right? And it just, man, I gotta, I gotta find it and show it to you. It's yeah, like, I'll, have to, I'll look it up this. Yeah, wait, no. wait, I'm gonna do it now. Fuck it. If I don't have, <laughs> if I don't have a JB, yeah. so, sorry to everybody listening, but um, it's gonna get a TV up on the wall so you can fucking just have it. Oh, it's gonna it. happen. It's gonna happen if I when I get the the new um. You set up the new studio. If if uh, everything comes off, um, it's going to happen. Because that's just like when you're watching Rogan, it's just good. Yeah. I, I, do, I think they have you noticed I've been putting like flashing up videos every now and again now? You know, there was a while there where they weren't be putting up videos because I think he YouTube wouldn't, he got wouldn't onto put up it. anything that was on YouTube. Yeah. But I think they're starting to get some stuff that's not actually YouTube material or the copyright owner of that material is the person they're interviewing. Yeah. Uh, Tianjin, Tianjin explosion video captured. Yeah, I've probably seen it, and I just don't remember. <laughs> Wait till that thing. <laughs> That's the G-rated version. I didn't even Good try to do BBC. That. G, holy shit. I've never seen that. No. Wait for it. Yeah, wait for that fucking concussion wave to come through. Far out. Holy shit. And that's probably still be getting fed by a fucking pipeline too. Wait. Boom! Oh, yeah, right. That's the big one. That's the big So there's actually two. Yep. And that's when they bail out. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, we need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, mate. Yeah. Like, I'm getting chills just, just when I watch that shit. It was absolutely hectic as shit. Stuff that. Yeah. Yeah, nah. So, and uh, so when I seen the, when I seen Beirut the other day, I was just like, oh, I've seen this sort of shit before. Like, yeah. Just because you've seen one go bang doesn't mean that's the last bang, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just hectic. Just the the energy that was behind that explosion. Like, to see it instantly condense. All that moisture in the air around it. Yeah. But there's, there's one video angle. It's from a from a high-rise building. And you can see, it's almost looking down. There's road. You've got cars driving past. There's concrete walls. You can see a couple of buildings and shit. He's, he's relatively close. Do you want to yeah, what the hell? Cheers, man. Yeah, he's relatively close to... um. To the site when it goes off, and it goes, and you can see it instantly crumble concrete walls. Yeah, like just the force behind that. Like, and and knowing you're watching people walking past and driving past, going, they don't exist anymore. Nah, like it's just, it, it's actually when you think about it in that context, you're like, this is not a, yeah, this is not a, a scene in a movie that nobody, this is a, yeah, this nobody is like got hurt. This is legitimately. Like yeah, like, I mean, like the last total I heard was a uh, hundred dead and like four thousand injured, and it's yeah. like that's gonna fucking climb. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's got to be... Like, some of those buildings... Like, there's a fucking apartment building. Yeah. Right now, it just, it, you can see... Was that... An, that looked to me like more... The, the building right next to the building that exploded. That one actually looked like... that. It Yes, I can see where people thought it might be an apartment building. I don't think it is. It's more like a big grain silo. No, no. So, the one I'm talking about is... The angle was if you're looking at... Oh, you're talking about long, the video, the guy... Yeah, that was so you, had the, you had the warehouse where it was stored. There was one next to it. You had the... So, it's on that... 
wharf, the dock. Yeah. yeah. The water here, there was there, and it was coming back this way. So it wasn't the building directly next to it, but there was an apartment complex. You see the aircon compressors and shit on it. Okay. Sort of half of the distance between all that was right. filming and where it went off. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so I, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because that, that building next door, I was just thinking, what, like... That was a grain silo. I'm surprised it didn't go up. Well, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, probably because it's not a big, thick concrete building, but I, I, I'm pretty sure. Did you see the camera angle of the two guys? It looked like there were two guys on top of that building. So there was a video I seen coming out the other day, and it looks like because he's videoing, and it looks pretty like they're standing on, on that building right next to it. I'm going to say they were standing on that building because they yeah. probably aren't around anymore. Yeah, well, he's and you can see that. You know, like the firework, firework part comes, yeah. bit going off. So it's the same. It's the same video, right? It's the same. It's the same explosion. Yeah. And then it just, and then it fucking goes, and they just get like everything just goes dark, dark pretty much yeah. and dusty. So if I swear to God, if those guys were there, man, like unless you got hit by something, I'm just wondering whether you could still get fucked up by the concussion wave or by the oh shit, by yeah. the sheer force of the explosion, shit, yeah. or whether that was. It was enough that they were kind of they were recessed they onto were the roof. Recording the shockwaves from that thing away in Greece. Yeah, like, yeah, wasn't it? A, a, it measured on the Richter scale, yeah. like four point something. Set, it set off like it's a. It was a, what they say it had it was a fifth the size in terms of equivalent TNT tonnage yeah. of the bomb they dropped on Hiroshima. <laughs> Just to give you an idea of how much went off, like it was it was hectic, man. <laughs> Like, don't be wrong, like, and I was not ex- when I was first looking at the video. Don't I expect- wasn't expecting. I'm just like, ah, building for holy crap <laughs> when it goes. Like, I, I mean, I'm at two frames. One, I look at it and go, "Fuck, that's cool as shit." It's pretty cool. But then there's the other side of mine going, "Fuck, that's just that, that." It's nasty to see that sort of stuff happen. And then, I mean, I, I, I'm one of I'm I'm a great tinfoil hat person. I love me a good fucking conspiracy theory uh-huh. and all that sort of shit. And there is that part of me go, "Fuck, I just hope it's just pure, just sheer stupid dumb luck that that's happened." And there's another part of me going. Look, look here, at the region it's in. Here's the thing, Nick. This, you know, we all piss and whinge about safety, right? We kind of feel like we're living in this culture, particularly in the first world country, where you know safety just oh, it's over the top. Like it's a reason just, for it. Yeah, you know, you're getting getting you're getting slammed for not wearing your you know high vis. I mean, you're the most visible person on the fucking work site if you don't have one on, yep. right? Um, but then things like that happen, and you realise that the the safety culture that we're trying to build over here does stop shit like that happening well they the day after that thing went off in beirut there's an ammonium nitrate storage facility in newcastle in new south wales yeah that holds more than what was in that warehouse and people are going oh there's a fuck there's a fucking disaster right next to you know fucking sensationalist news headlines yeah hang on let's just take a step back for a minute (laughs) fucking safety culture in lebanon (laughs) (laughs) it's the safety culture in australia no offense lebanese people but you know. Got to be a little bit of a different standard that's kind of be like a, a yeah. concrete warehouse where there's literally just, hey, let's fucking turf those bags and there should be right. To they're probably, they're in essentially bunkers over in Australia. Yeah. They're, they're stored, it's stored correctly. I mean, look, is it, accidents it, are going to happen. But Is it possible that people, like, it's just bags of fertiliser and people didn't realise? Do you know what I mean? Because something that's like ammonium nitrate that is actually not dangerous by itself and you know maybe you didn't know that like if you're storing bags of dog but food they knew what you it know was. you're putting bags of dog yeah. it's like it's fucking dog food like they, for that but oh no but if you mix dog food with well that, that's, that's custard that's going back know. to what i was saying before like, like they knew it was ammonium nitrate they know it's a precursor to explosives the ira have used it in fucking northern ireland for years so they know what it's a precursor for it's going to north korea 
yeah, chances are it's going to get fucking turned into a bomb. Okay. So I've confiscated it knowing what it was, but that that's a whole, had it already been prepared and soaked in an accelerant prior to shipping. Or well, that would be stupid, right? You don't arm the bomb before you get it to the place where you're going to fucking bomb, right? Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it had it had that been the case, and they didn't, they weren't aware of that, which is why it was just thrown straight into a fucking warehouse. Yeah. Or has it? Because I mean, it's been in that warehouse for a long time. What else was in there to have soaked? And like we said, I mean, I'm only assuming that that shit needs to be soaked completely for it to go off. Because they're in um, the picture that I saw. They're in uh, they're called bulker bags, right? Yeah. Pretty sure that's what they call them. Bulk, yeah. Big bulker bags. And they would be probably about a ton each. Yeah. Right? Depending on the density of the thickness or the density of, of ammonium nitrate. I'd, I've never seen it. I don't know what it... Presumably it's a, a I'd powder. Say it's heavy shit. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Like cement powder. Maybe that's... You know, cement powder is pretty fucking heavy stuff. But, you know... But in these big bulker bags and... Um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I guess it's possible that they... That, that, I mean, bulker bags are not... You know, I guess they're permeable to to an extent. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't. They're probably not waterproof. Although you'd expect it's they'd have to be a little bit if they're holding dust. Well, yeah, you just or, so. or you know, I don't know, man. It's weird. That's a strange. And then I mean, three days. They want a fucking answer in three days. They're refusing outside international help. But it's you reckon this stuff's been sitting there for years? Yeah, it, they they, so they came out and said it was conf- it was confiscated off a cargo ship years ago. And it's been languishing so it's in been that warehouse sitting for years. there for years. Yeah, it's just been languishing there. Just chilling. And it's lasted this long without blowing up. Yep. So then you start to wonder whether somebody fucked around with it. Well, you look in an area where Hezbollah's a rather large player in, in the world. You're in do you think it could be terrorism? It's a strange place to do it, but mind you, the bomb's already in place. You don't need to they do drop, it. The fucking Taliban are dropping bombs, setting car bombs off in Afghanistan. Mm. Like... I mean, I Le- Lebanon's not, you know, Lebanon's had a, quite a few difficulties for many, many centuries, right? It's all, it's I, in I, the shit over there. I really wouldn't be surprised. It's in a warehouse everyone knows it's there. Mm. Certain groups know it's there. Going, fuck yeah, we've got free access to, to bomb-making material. It's essentially what you can use it for. So what's to say they weren't using it as they were prepping shit in there? It wasn't supposed to go off. Because if, if you want... Go, if you going want off an accident... But hey, we've got easy access to something. No one that's off the books. No one seems to remember the shits there. Yeah, I'm just. Although now that I'm thinking about it, there is only one problem. Nobody's claimed responsibility. Yeah. So Which to me would go that that'd was, be the that first was never thing that the target. No. Yeah, the target wasn't that warehouse. It was a fucker. Mind you, it still kills. Like if you want shock and awe, yeah, and you want body count, fuck, got the job done. But do you want to be a terrorist organization? It turns out, hey, yep, that was us. We <laughs> fucked that up. We're completely and utterly inept at what we do. That doesn't inspire fear in anyone. You just look at you and go, you're a bunch of dumb cunts. I guess so. But, yeah. I mean, that's weird, man. So, three, uh, like, and, but then, so, okay, three days, but then what? What what happens if you don't have an answer? In th- you can't get an answer in three days. Well, you can. You it might can, not you can be the right it, one. Exactly. You can, you can, they want to point the finger at someone. That's all it's coming down to. Just go, what's the most, oh, you, you fucked that up. All right, we're going to blame you. They're going to scapegoat someone. They will scapegoat someone over there. You want to feel I like really if you want to you want to look into it. I'd have a look at have a look at who the opposition is. Yeah, politically. have a look at who the opposition party is, or that president, prime minister, or whatever it is over there. Who's he had constant disagreements? What with do they through. say? Follow the money. Find the person. Follow, that, follow the money and the influence. who's giving this person the most trouble. Let's just get rid of them. Mm. Let's blame. What's well, going to be a national tragedy on you? Yeah. Three days. You can't argue with us. 
Like I know Hezbollah's turning around and they're saying, like, we want the fucking army to investigate this. None of your fucking political mob doesn't like, get the army because you know what? The army is trusted by everyone. You know why they'd be the best to investigate? Because they get to blow shit up all the time. You know, if JB was on, here, on he'd be able to say it. On accident. JB's a fucking uh, engineer, right? Yeah. As in a, a military so they do. Um, engineer. So, and that's what he does. He blows shit up and he knows, you know, knows stuff about explosions or whatever else. So presumably somewhere along the line he can re- retrace steps as to where how, how something went so terribly, terribly wrong. Or right, depending on yeah. who. I, I, have, I would have zero faith that whatever answer they come up with is going to be correct. Yeah. I mean... Let's just start with point one. <laughs> Your fucking evidence pile's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big fucking crater, man. It's a giant goddamn... Oh. And, and it's, got, it's now filled with seawater as yeah. well. That because being said, I want to know who the fuck constructed that building next to it. Is that warehouse right next to it? It's like yeah. a bit of external damage. Still standing. <laughs> it right next to In it. In actual still fact, there. it probably saved a fuckload of lives. Yeah, well... Right, that, that building being there. Concussion wave. Because you imagine, like that, that's that's like dropping a grenade, but on the other side of a concrete wall. Yeah, you're you safe know? as fucking houses on there. Yep. So, because uh, there was one of the videos is some guy driving along in his car on a on a on a motorway, you know, and he's filming over like that, and then the fucking thing goes and blows all the windows out of his yep. car. You've seen that one? Fucking Fucked the yep. thing up. It was take it was taken out windows. I was reading. I was reading. Um, over 100k away. Yeah. 100 fucking kilometres. Still taking windows out. Uh, that makes me think that, that the ammonium nitrate must chain react, like whether it's wet or not. It Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it does. We're gonna, yeah. JD. <laughs> <laughs> JB, fuck you. You should be yeah. Googling this I mean, shit while we're, uh, while we're sitting here. I mean, but either way, like just to bring it back, that... Over there, I could understand it, but you've got to ask the questions. What the fuck was it doing in a warehouse that long? Well, and this is the thing. We, we, you know, like at a certain point, this country and the US were probably the same. They would just have shit lying around and then, and then something goes wrong and he goes, shit, we, this was not stored correctly. That's why even you and I, we have to do dangerous goods retraining every two years or whatever it is. Yeah, fat little bit that does. I do that drunk and then forget it all. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't because we have to do that at work. <laughs> I'm, I'm sober when I'm at work doing that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and of course, I remember it all. You know, of course I do. I take it very seriously. I'm going to do it every two years. But you know, that's what the it's like, like a driving test. I need to be an angel once. It's <laughs> <laughs> the thing with it, though. You've got to you do this test, and and the whole thing is about what you can and can't store next to each other. Now, yep. dangerous goods training came about because of. Yeah, you know the, these people like, don't store this with this because that is one hundred percent inert by itself. But then you mix that with this, and it fuck goes off. Man, yeah, you you, it's out of control. Yeah. So well, there's so many substances that's inert on its own, that's inert on its own, but they get mixed together and they can be ignited by oxygen. Yeah, so you don't put these things in the same building. Yeah, this one goes over there. This one goes over there. Have you uh, have you heard of the Kursk, the submarine, the the Russian submarine Kursk? Yeah, yeah, another one. You know about. the one. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So basically, how it goes is that, and this is a look legitimate. They've actually made a movie now. I watched it. It's okay. Um, it's it's okay. But and it happened in 2000, which kind of I don't know. It just felt it felt like it would happen a long time ago. But in actual yeah. fact, it happened in the year 2000. 
Um, and it was uh, one of the, the the Russian submarines. Like, it was the biggest fucking submarine on the planet, right? You know, these things are huge. Yeah. Um, they got it like a crew of like 500 or some ridiculous. I don't know. I'll stand corrected. But they got a lot. They're big. They're nuclear-powered. And uh, they're pretty hectic, right? They're one of the big typhoons or something. Oh, man. I don't, I, yeah, there was... They're the, giant. They're giant fucking things. Anyway, so what happened was great piece of kit, um, well crewed, but some of their torpedoes that they had are these old school torpedoes, right? Because, you know, Russians aren't known for, like, you know, looking after and maintaining shit and whatever else. And so these things were really quite volatile. And it sort of depicts in the movie, I must read the book, but it sort of depicts in the movie um, that th- th- they're actually, there's like torpedo technicians and they're taking temperature, um, uh, you know, recording the temperature on the outside and, they're, yeah. and they've got a stethoscope and they're listening to things and they're going, you know, they're actually keeping an eye on these torpedoes. Yeah. Which blows me away. It's like it, this should be an inert thing until yeah, it gets They already realise that there's a risk of this thing popping off yeah, at any random time. Which is exactly what happens, right? So they're cruising along. It cooks off. Yeah. And it blows this the Kursk in half. It blows it in half, right? Kills everybody except for about like 12, 15 dudes. Who are in the... They were in the um, engine rooms. They, they were in, yeah, some area of the of the thing. Could seal off. Yeah, that got sealed off. And um, the reactor itself was, was fine as well. It was well insulated and it yeah. was designed in a good enough way that when the fucking thing blew up... It wasn't going with it. It didn't go with it, right? So we didn't have a, a huge disaster. Now, a whole bunch of other shit happened. Um, the Yanks, you know, worked it out that... And they had this the kit to come and save it, and Russian military. I remember the Russians turning around, and basically saying, "No, we're, saying we're no, fine. We've got this. We got it's this. all we've good. Got this. We're yep. all good. We don't need help." Exactly, and it was all because it was all about rescuing these these dudes. Now, yeah, because there's twelve dudes. That yeah, there was yeah twelve fifteen dudes. <laughs> they were still alive. They knew they were alive because they'd sent something down, but they couldn't attach to the. You know, you needed a specific, uh, little sub with the right attachment. Yeah, to get, get over that docking, hatch, that docking, that hatch, docking yeah. thing, right? And then kind of got these blokes up, um, and so they fucked around for too long, right? And um, and then when they finally brought the Yanks in to do it, right? Everyone's dead. Well, yeah. So and we'll get to that in a minute, but so they, you know, and what, one of my questions was, well, because they weren't that; it wasn't that deep. Okay, so. My question was, well, you should be able to, can you get eject, like a human being should be able to get out of the thing and get to the surface um, and, you know, and not be all fucked up because you wouldn't yeah. get the bends. You might lose your eardrums, I think, and, you know, whatever else, but you'd, you'd be alive. And the, and the thing was, well, that's fine except two things. One, you're in the North Sea, so it's basically freezing waters. Yeah. Right, zero fucking degrees basically. Um, wind chill factor out of control, bad seas, but mainly they didn't know if anybody was over the top of them, right? Up until later on when they finally sent something down and a tap and tap and yeah, everybody's tapping, so they knew that they were there. Before that, they didn't know who was there. So even if you did eject out and you got on the surface, you know, if there's nobody there, you're dead within minutes anyway, anyway. Yeah, right. So you might as well stay where you are. You got no way of talking to whoever's on the yeah. outside of the world. Yeah. 
And so, and then by the time, and when they sent the sub down to like tap on the top and, okay, everybody knows you're there, well, then it's like, um, you know, it's like, oh, well, you're there, so they're there. So we'll just sit tight and we'll wait until they can get it sorted and we can get out of here. Now, brings me back to the point, what happened was they've got these CO2 scrubbers and they're these particular item, uh, it's, a, it's a fucking thing that... Um, basically helps scrub the air, it takes the CO2 out of the air so that you don't get toxic, right? Because you, you, you're breathing the oxygen. These things scrub the scrub the CO2 so it doesn't get toxic. You get more oxygen, right? Yeah. And they only last for a certain amount of time, right? But you've got to, you know, but they do work and they had a bunch of them. So they had a bit of longevity. They could stay alive and that, they could reproduce some oxygen and get rid of the carbon dioxide. These scrubbers would do the job. The problem is they are fucking highly, highly flammable Ugh. when in contact with water. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Of yep. all fucking things. Of all things. So they just fucking burst into flames if they get in contact with water, right? And so essentially that's actually how the guys died in the end. It wasn't because they suffocated. It wasn't because they froze to death. It was a flash fire. Oh yeah, so what happened was one of the dudes, um, you know, they 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 had scrubbers and whatever else, and and it's believed that one of them either dropped it or otherwise got one of these scrubbers wet, and away she went, and away it went, and then it it burns all the oxygen out, and um and so they found uh, they they recovered the bodies, and the bodies were burnt on half of their side, so if they were laying in the yeah, they've been you know, flashed over, yeah. And it was just – and the flash fire just sucked everything out and killed the whole lot of them. So – and that's well, what I mean. Like two two things that half in the water, they probably already passed out from the lack of possibly before that fire's kicked over. Possibly. or Which maybe you'd kind of hope that was the case. Yeah, unless they were – you know, some of them were already dead beforehand and there was yeah, still other – but, but yeah, you, just, we don't, you know, you don't really know. But, um, but yeah, some had quite a lot of burns and then, you know, and then they're all cooked, but – Fancy having this thing that c- can keep you alive. Takes you but it, that. But it takes one, like, water, for fuck's sake. If it's just this thing that gets yeah. mixed with water, and then you're dead. Sorry. Hey, you guys need this to live, but don't let it come into contact with water, because it'll, it'll kill you. I'm in a submarine! Yeah, but now we're going to put it into a vessel that's designed to go underwater. <laughs> I mean, in their defence, it's supposed to go underwater and stay, stay dry. dry. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. But you then know. you're also looking at Russian engineering. Yeah, well, I app- wouldn't exactly classify that as. Well Apparently, it's like uh, it's not the engineering that's the issue. Like it's the maintenance and upkeep. It's the maintenance and upkeep, and and that um, you know that and yeah, there's a lot of you know pride and you know, whatever else. Oh, national pride. They think national pe- pride. People think the Americans have fucking got national pride. Yeah. Holy shit! And the last thing they wanted to do, I'm going to kill that fucking fly. <laughs> It's been buzzing around. Oh, I'm going to see it in the video too when we when we look at this black, black fucking speck going around. You don't think you, you'll think there's a problem with the camera? <laughs> you'd be <laughs> looking at this. You'd be like, "What? Oh, what is that? Pixel's breaking. <laughs> oh, fuck, what's going on?" Now that I've drawn attention to it, all of our watchers and listeners will be able to spend the next. Maybe I'll just put this one up as uh, an audio podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the um, cameras stopped. Yeah, working. sorry, the cameras. I don't know. I haven't even fucking checked. Okay, that'd be awkward if they're not working. <laughs> That would be pretty awkward, but it doesn't matter because we can still put still up the yeah, still put up the audio. So. Sit there with a the logo going. Yeah, I'll just blame JB. JB, you piece of shit. <laughs> you had one job, <laughs> one job. You needed to rock up. I can see yours is flashing anyway. Yours has got the red flash. 
Yeah, I can't see shit on this side. So I, I think this one actually turns its screen off. All oh, right, so save saves power. Power, but yeah. Whatever. So yeah, but anyway, um, I really appreciate you coming in too, dude. It's oh, been it's man. been awesome. Honestly, it's chance to talk shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, it's just uh, it's good. It's the fun stuff. Yeah. I gotta ask. So, I, I don't yeah. know if I've asked this here before. Why a podcast? Like, what actually? Aside from the fact that you're a fucking Joe Rogan nut hugger. <laughs> Let's be honest, most people are. But I mean, what was the what was the catalyst for wanting? To do I'm just feeling like that I didn't, I didn't, you Think know. I'd, I'd be actually even more spewing. Did you see this one with Tom Green the other day? Not yet. I haven't got that. Okay, I'm so, so fucking backed up on podcasts. Oh, I'm sure I'll end up doing like two days in a row where I just get up out of bed, go and sit on the couch, and just watch Joe Rogan flat out, and then yeah. all of a sudden it's time to go to bed. Um, no, Tom Green, you remember? You know, Tom Freddie got fingered. Tom Green. Yeah, yeah. He started doing it way back. Yeah, he was like you know, one of the one originals, of, one of the originals and, and it just, you know, for, for whatever, you know, listen to the podcast, but for whatever, it just, yeah, it didn't, and it didn't sort of, he didn't keep going with it. Um, and I bet he's spewing now, but I, I don't think it's, I feel like it's um, it's a bit to do with Rogan, though, you know, that of why he's so successful. But, um, but no, why was it? I don't know. But, well, it. I guess I never would have thought about it. I didn't think about it until I started watching Rogan a couple of years back. And um and it just clicked straight away. I was like, God damn it, that that's exactly what I want to do. For the simple reason is that I fucking love talking to people. Yeah. You know? They've just got the most interesting stories and I, I understand that's how you learn. Like you I the best way that I learn is to talk to people and uh, you know and talk about their experiences and whatever else and then try and apply some of that knowledge to my life and whatever else and you know it's relatively simple <laughs> sort of <laughs> you I, say as you look over at the look, fucking fancy lights next yeah, to you going, yeah. I don't even know if I got it right you know but <laughs> I'm the talent okay I'm the talent <laughs> and I need a producer to do the fucking producing because yeah. that's that's you know um, but I do have to I mean, look, I do have to learn how to do it. I should be able to produce my own show, you know, if I, yeah. if I need to. I'd just rather not, you know. Um, but, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I just, I thought, what a, what a great thing to do. Like, it's I just, it's fun. I love sitting around talking talking to people and, you know, you can do it and you can make anything into a podcast. Like. I, think, I think it was you and I said on the last, last work flight we did or something, everyone's got a story. Everybody's got a story. I mean, I, I'm always... Now, I'll steal a line from um, Andy Stumpf, who's a guy I listen to the Clear Hot podcast. But I go, yep. I always look at myself myself as exceedingly average. I don't. I've never really stood out in any one thing I've done. I've never fucking excelled at any one particular thing I do. Like I done martial arts, I got a black belt. I think they gave it to me out of fucking pity. <laughs> but, I would hope not. Yeah, <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> but no. but I, I've I've never sort of naturally been brilliant at anything. Like I do a lot of lot of things well. I'd like to think, but. Every, like so, I've I've never personally looked at it going. Well, I don't really have anything that stands out. I'm like okay, I can talk a lot of shit. Um, I I, I can talk bullshit about anything. Like you give me a fucking topic line, and I can talk about it like I'm a goddamn expert. Mm. No fucking idea what I'm on about. <laughs> Just like banging on, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> fucking hey, I got this job right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fucking talk my way into that one real easy. Um, but I mean, everyone's got a story of some extent. That's and I think well, like, absolutely like. The Rogan podcast is a great example about that. I was like, he'll drag people on there. A bit different now, but like he'd just get people on there and just fucking talk. And like, if, you look, like, if you go back and look at some of his really early stuff, it's right? Just, which is it's basically just no holes him by. and like Joey Diaz just, just 
fucking dribbling stone and drunk off their heads yeah. and just going, going at it. Yeah, and but, so a lot of it's probably what was more so for them and whatever. Look, I, I 100% feel like I've, I've basically gone, I'm skipping a whole bunch of levels. I'm skipping all of that yeah. realistically and I'm going straight to multiple camera angle, you know, podcast and well produced, you know, in a nice studio, um, to, you know, and then – and. You know, the only difference is I'm not yet talking to politicians and and uh, you know physicists and 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 health professionals and you, whatever else. Not you've yet. had that ability to learn from what someone else has done. Imitation is the best form of flattery. You've yeah. heard that before, right? Yeah. You've seen what? I mean, the great way to look at it is, and I, I know you've watched and listened to podcasts by these same guys. Jocko, you look at Andy's cleared hot stuff. Um, the Origin USA guys who's Jocko's company that do all the um, jiu-jitsu geese and all that sort of shit. Um, you look at, obviously, Joe Rogan, what he does. Um, Star Talk, to go the fucking nerd, nerd route of things. It's all Lex very, Friedman. Yeah. Lex Friedman. It's does all a very stuff. similar setup. Yeah. Because you've got guys like Joe who have been doing this forever on a fucking day that have worked their way through and gone, you know what, this seems to be the format that works best for my pe- most people. Mm. So instead of you sitting there and bumbling your way through using – you know, a cheap fucking recorder, cheap microphones, whatever. You've gone, well, you know what? This is what these guys have done. So you've learned from the other people's experience. You're not trying to fucking reinvent the wheel here. Nah. Like, there's no point you going through and start it with a fucking Tascam to two mic fucking recorder sitting at the table and both of us yelling at each other. No fucking uh, monitor headphones so you can't hear what's going on. Yeah. Because why? Why try to do something when pe- someone's already done it and gone, this is what works? Yeah. So you emulate what works. It's because people don't listen for the fucking... The fancy pictures on the walls or the fucking the cameras or the equipment, they're, they're there to listen to what the fucking story is about. Yeah. They're, they're, they're there to want to know what the content of what people are talking about. And, again, Joe's great because he's got, he got the fucking way, way, way down the rabbit hole people. And then you've got guys like Lex Friedman. You've got fucking you have Bernie Sanders on there, for God's sakes. Yeah, yeah. Like, you, you get that fucking – because people aren't interested in what or who's on. They're interested in what's been talked yeah. about. And look, it, it didn't you know it didn't start out that way. Like he, he self admits that you know he doesn't even know how it happened. It just happened that way. Yeah. You know that's the best way to do it. Yeah, but and so like I you know I might be banging on that a, a little bit about that everybody's got a story and you know, um, and as much as I you know definitely uh, there's people there's books on this table that um, are done by Australian authors and whatever else. We can we can do the exact thing that Rogan's doing. Yeah, we just. We, in an Australian way, like we have talk to Australian military people, talk to Australian, you know, livestock people, you know, anybody that's written a book, anything that's got to do with Australian politics or, you know, Australian, you know, related uh, day-to-day life or anything like that. It's just, it's just the same. It's just over here. You know, that's, yeah. the, that was, that's kind of the plan, but it's not even that plan. Um, like I'm just happy for it to, to evolve the way it is. Yeah, because one thing, the couple of things I can tell you for sure. One, I don't care about money. It's not about money. I don't care about that. Yeah, it is literally just as um, just as good for me because I, f- I I find joy in it. Yeah, I really really enjoy doing this a lot to the point now where if I'm sitting around having a wicked conversation at the pub with a couple of bikes, get the phone out, hit record. I I would just <laughs> you know well I'd like to, but I just sit there shaking my head, going, "Damn it!" And they're like, yeah. "What?" I wish we were podcasting right now because the, the conversation that you're having with people, you know, and about their life experience, yes, it's very organic, it's very real, it's very truthful for the most, unless you're talking to a fuckwit, yeah. you know, and that happens. But, you know, and 
particularly which, and, you know, I know I've said in my blurb a little bit and in my, you know, while we're here podcast that I do want it to have a bit of a mental health related stuff. But we're not there yet. I don't want to just roll straight into that that heavy stuff straight away. We've got to just I just want to establish things a little bit and, and just let it let it go the way it does. If I end up having a guest on it and the conversation goes that way, yeah, then I'm ready for that. I'm good to well, go for think that. Think about it this but way though, like because I know you you're a big you push a big proponent about the mental health side of things as well. Like you, you've been involved out of work and whatnot. But think about it this way: just because you're not specifically going down a mental health aspect or a mental health topic, you're still covering topics that that person might bring up something yeah, that uh, they want to talk about yeah. and that, and get off it. like oh he's a great example mark at work with his mid-air now that bloke's fucking spoken to death about that with people one of the most unassuming he's not going to be the guy oh hey yeah i'm mark i fucking ran a plane into another plane <laughs> like, that's, that's not him <laughs> no no but i mean that conversation you have with him now i'm sure mark has come to terms with and he's still coming to terms with stuff that happened all that sort of shit but just being able to sit there and talk about that with someone for a lot of people is like i'm a huge Fuck it, we're on the mental health rabbit hole, let's go down there. I'm a huge proponent of not bottling shit up. Mm. There's a reason for this, and I'll say this now because I've been medically cleared for it from CASA for years. When I was a lot younger, um, I was bullied brutally at school. I've always been a big kid. Like mm. fucking, I was you know, head and shoulders taller than everyone else. I was always a fat kid, always just large. Runs in my family. I'm the smallest guy on my fucking mum's side of my family, give you an indication. Um, so I was bullied mostly, didn't have a whole lot of friends. Um, never really felt like I had a voice. Like, I try to say something, I constantly get talked over. Still happens to me a little bit now, but I've just learned to, yeah, yeah fuck it, don't care. Mm. Um, but I got to the point where one day, I had to go and do something, I didn't, didn't really feel like doing it. Just passed out. I was walking into my parents, I vaguely remember the day. I was walking into my parents' bedroom, something woke up on the floor. Fuck, all right, sweet, whatever. Just, all right, sweet, cool. Moved on to the day. Happened a couple of days later. All right. You just... Just, just, passed just completely passed out. Just, I, was, I don't know what I was doing, but I woke up on the floor. This is different. Now I've got a mum who's a registered nurse and a dad who's a paramedic. So they're going, that doesn't normally happen. And it slowly got worse and worse and worse to the point I was ha- it was happening multiple times a day. And it got to a point where I could feel it coming on. I go, oh, something's not right here. So nine times out of ten, I'd already be on my way to the floor before I'd pass out. But now you, you're a medic in the army, so you understand a little bit what happens to people when they lose, lose consciousness. Never lost control of my bladder. Never lost control of my bowels. So I had full bodily function. My body just stopped working. I went through, you know, went to a neurologist. Fuck, what's going on? Brain scans, am I right? Well, there's nothing wrong with the head. Go see a cardiologist. Okay, maybe it's something wrong with the heart. Fucking all the scans. Fucking 24-hour Holter monitors, the whole lot. Nothing wrong with the heart. Go see a fucking neurologist. Back and forth, back and forth. To cut a long story short, what it turned out it was happening is... I was bottling shit up because I never felt like I could talk to anyone or when I tried to talk to someone about something, I'd get just brushed off. So it was my body's way of going, hey, I need attention over here. Something's not right. So it was shut. My, my brain was shutting my body down as a fucking defense mechanism. Jesus Christ. So, and it, it got to the point where like, it was happening at school. It would, I'd be just, and initially it was under stressful situations or if I was in, getting put into a position I wasn't comfortable in or I didn't feel like I was able to Stop, like, I didn't want to do something. Mm. But no one was listening to me, so my body going, I'm going to make you fucking listen. But it's because I wasn't talking about it. I, I couldn't talk, so I started bottling shit up, got worse and worse. Took a fucking child psychologist, how old was I, nine or ten, when this stuff was happening. 
took a child psychologist to work out what was going on. It took fucking six months to unravel. Like mental health, the mind's an amazing thing. It is a fucking do. And it's hugely strong. I'm lucky enough it never went on my medical record. So, Cassa, if you're listening, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but I, I made sure I did the right things. Like I've report, I reported it to Damies when I first started and all this stuff. Who the guy I went to, never going to say the name, didn't pop it down. But we did all the testing, did all the checks. I was yeah. fucking, I'm safe as houses now. Yeah. But it got the worst, the lowest point of it was I passed out in the back of a car after hockey training one night. Going to get shit out of the back of the car, woke up on the floor, couldn't feel myself from the waist down. So I'm ten. And right now, I can't, can't move my legs, can't feel my legs, nothing. Finally got up the stairs to an elevator house. Don't know why fucking mum took me upstairs, but we did. Got the sensation, I guess sensation, I got feeling back in, I think it was my right leg first. But I couldn't move it. And it's a really weird, like, you, you go, just lift your leg on here. And fucking lift it. It was like, it's not moving. I mm. physically felt like something, it felt like something was missing. It was a month, so I went into hospital for a week. Finally got movement and sensation back in my right leg. But from the hip down on the left-hand side, nothing. It was just dead weight. And that was about a month. All because my brain completely shut itself down. So there was, there was physically nothing wrong with me. Yeah. It was all in the head. Stress. Now, that's obviously taking shit to the extreme. Yeah. But I've always been like, if you've got – it doesn't matter how big or small it is. Like, I've got friends I'm constantly talking to about stuff and I'm like, look – if you need to, um, if, I don't care if it's the same thing over and over and over, but it's better to get that shit out of your head. Yeah, totally agree. Like, yeah. I mean, my, my, my wife's been the fucking greatest thing that's ever happened to me in regards to stuff like that because she's the one person I know that I can say whatever the fuck's on my head. She might laugh at me occasionally and just go, look at me <laughs> like, you fucking or, or roll their eyes. Like, yeah, I get, I get the eye roll a fair bit. Yeah. But the difference is I know she'll listen to me. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it, I, I mean, we, we solve the problem. And this gives you an idea of how quick the brain can turn around. We thought I was on medication, nothing was stopping it because I thought I had epilepsy. Yeah. Nothing was on it, on medication. So I finally started coming good. And then about six, seven months later, hadn't had an, an incident. I was doing this thing called Cumon, which is a, it's a chittering thing for kids because my math in primary school was pretty shit. Um, so I was going to this thing three times a week. Hated it. Fucking hated it. I was in grade or whatever fucking grade I was at school, you know, learning to divide and multiply fractions and all this sort of shit, basic stuff now. But back then I was all this new shit. And they still had me doing my basics time, my basic timetables at this fucking tutoring thing because that's the level I thought I was at. And I'm like, that is not assisting me with this in any way, shape or form. And I was telling mum and dad about it. No, you've got to go, you've got to go, you've got to go. Hit the, t- hit the floor in the hallway one day. Mum was downstairs, elevated house. So all she's heard is just this thump, thump. Walked up, saw me on the floor. Instantly knew what the deal was. Bam, the next day I was out of it. Yeah. Never happened again. Mm. I've now learned, I've spent two years working with that child psych, learning, you know, tips and techniques and how to handle it and how to express yourself and how to get you and all that sort of shit. And it's a point I've never, I've never gotten to the point now where I ever thought that'd be a hassle again. But mm. that, for me, I mean, it's a big thing about mental health. Just, just being able to talk yeah. is huge. Yeah. And, you know, here's the thing, man, right? The, the thing that I, that I truly understand is that. Um, when you reach out to somebody or you weren't talking about things or whatever, everybody's – look, you don't have to – as someone who's reaching out to somebody else, you don't have to have the answers. You don't – It it's not a big thing, right? Generally, listening is enough or um, or just making the phone call out of the blue, right? Yeah. Not waiting to get asked for help because people don't ask – most people don't ask for help, man. Guys are bad for it. Particularly if you're a Blokes bloke. Blokes are right? bad for it. So – 
I know for the hardest times for me, the really, and I've had some pretty hard times over the last, you know, 12 months in particular, but um, the, the random call that you get from a mate is enough to change your whole day. Yep. You know? And you haven't had to talk about shit. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that I've had to sit down and spill my, all my guts about every little thing that's wrong and whatever else. No, we just chatted about, you know, fucking ammonium nitrate bombs going off in <laughs> Beirut or, you know, yeah. or, or the fact that I snapped a bolt off in the fucking vol- block of the Volvo because I was... bought a Volvo. <laughs> it no, it's right. because I shouldn't work on things. That, that too. <laughs> Being able to share those just daily experiences and, mm. and, and that sort of shit is just enough to keep things ticking over, right? To let you know that you're not, uh, you know, completely alone in the world and everything's all going to, you know, come crumbling down. You know, and that's the thing is, you know, did offering to help somebody is, is all well and good. I, I get that. Um, but you gotta, you, you've got to stand by it and you do have to listen. Oh, you yeah. do have to take the time. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to fix them. That's very important to understand that. In fact, it's better not to get too too involved to a point. What you need to do is listen, offer, you know, um, offer you know a solution if, if you need to, or if there's something. But if you're going to offer a solution, generally the best way I think to do that is out of your own experience. You can listen and just go, hey, you know, I don't really necessarily know what you're going through. So much, but you just lay it on me exactly how you're yeah. feeling. Here's a time in my life where where I had some shit going on, you know, and it was it was struggle town, man. Oh, you know, I really had some issues, righty right, and and you know what helped me was, um, you know, so someone reached out to me, and you know, and we just chatted about the fucking weather, and it just made me feel better. And then I just you know got off my ass and went walking, and did some bloody work for a change, you know. Like some physical activity and whatever, just shit like that, you know. Yeah. I'm not pontificating to you about how you need to change your life. I'm just telling you a story about how, you know, what was going on with me. Yeah. And uh, we were living at the moment with my housemate, you know. She, um, you know, in that times of having some real difficulties, I, I found so much strength in her telling me some stories about what was going on. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. <laughs> it's not one thing, it's something else. Um, they haven't called me by now. Ain't going to work. So. No, no, that's all. <laughs> Actually, that's a really good point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> no, that's a uh, that's one of those beers that um, is not a beer. Like it's a beer, but it's a non-alcoholic. Beer. Non-alcoholic, yeah, yeah good, yeah. Like, good. It's called uh, Brielle or something. Yeah, near Brielle. Um, yeah, you get what I mean. So you know, she she was um, she would tell me some pretty hectic stories a bit in a, that happened in her past, and you know. And just just listening to those stories. Now, maybe that works for me, right? And this is why I want to do this podcast and continue doing this podcast, you know, and, you know, let it evolve the way it does and touch on, um, you know, mental health sort of stuff was because I, I just... I just got a lot of... I got a lot out of listening to her. Yeah. And I get a lot out of listening to other people's struggles because I guess in the first instance, it just lets you know that you're not alone. Your problems are your problems and they're different, but you're, it's okay. You're not an orphan. You're not, you know, you're not, a, you're not the first. You're not going to be the last to, to really have some struggle towns. They are unique to you and you will deal with them in a unique situation. But listening to how other people have either dealt or are dealing or just that interaction with, because that, like, maybe they haven't solved that problem. Yeah. But they're talking to you about it. You're talking to them about it. And you just, 
you're just chewing the fat about it, you know? Just bloody trying to, I don't know, just talking about it. And that goes to your point about not bottling shit up. Yeah. Because part of it is actually being vulnerable to another human being. And that can be very difficult for some people. Me, I generally can pretty much talk to anybody. I mean, I pick and choose the people a little bit, uh, yeah. but you should. You don't want to be too vulnerable to the wrong people because they might turn it around against you. But you do need to have a bit of vulnerability, you know. You do need to be to step out and go, I'm going to talk about some uncomfortable things. And, um, and as a person who's maybe supporting somebody else, right, there is an art to it. You need to not be shocked. You right? can quite easily make things worse. Yes, you can by, by because if they are going to be vulnerable to you, then you need to be prepared for that vulnerability and you need to be able to deal with it. Now, that's why, you, you know, some people that are just way too vulnerable to you start you having a chance to prepare yourself. You're like, holy shit, what are you dumping all this on me for? Like, that's not a good interaction. You, you but can't when you ask, if you are going to say to somebody, hey... If there's anything you need, right, you give me a call. Then you better be able to fucking back that up. Yeah. When you do get the call, you better be ready. Even if you're in the middle of fucking doing something. Yeah, right? drop your stuff and go. Yeah. Now, I prefer to just actually run it on my terms a little bit. I go, you know what, I've got fucking, I've got an hour. I'm going to ring me mate, right? Because they might, they might not even be thinking about, you know, I mean, everything might be shit, but you ring them up and, and they're just like, oh, fuck, man, it's good to hear from you. Tell me about your day. What's been going on? And then all of a sudden they're, they're talking and they didn't even realise it. They didn't have to prepare themselves. Yep. They didn't have to go, okay, all right, I'm going to ring because I'm supposed to reach out to people. That You know what I mean? Yours kind of taking a bit of that out. They're not reaching out to you already in a shitty mindset. Yeah. So they're reaching out and, and, and look, not all the time, but sometimes they won't even realise and all of a sudden they're full swing into yeah. everything that's going on. And at the end, you just you just let them go. And at the end, they're exasperated and like, holy fuck, I didn't expect that was going to happen. But most of the time, man, they're like, geez, I feel better. Fuck, it was good to talk to you. Thanks for giving us a ring. And I didn't have to do anything necessarily. All I had to do was just pick the phone up, okay. give hey, somebody a ring. And, if and, they, and what's the worst case? If they didn't want to talk about it, then they won't. Yep. And maybe I'll just ring next week, right? Maybe I'll just ring the week after. You know, not too much to get involved in this shit. Every, you've got to gauge everything, right? Oh, yeah, I don't want to get it because I've been, you know, I've made that mistake before of getting involved in, t in people's shit and way too involved and, like, because then I'm trying to fix everything, you know, because I, I think that I've got the answers and I can fix shit and that's a bad idea as well, yeah. you know. Um, and so I guess that's, that's what I mean. And for me, you know, if I get to chat to somebody and it helps them, that's good. But it's more so the other way, almost almost selfishly. Yeah. It's almost the other way. It's like I'm getting a lot out of this. Yeah, this is helping me this. day to day to get my to to calm the voices in my head. And you're get doing this thing. podcast for you, pretty much, man. Yeah. And I need to be I need to be clear and open and honest about that because that is important. And you know, while it's a little bit selfish or whatever, but not necessarily. I also hope that if it, I'm getting something out of it, then hopefully somebody else is getting something out of it as well. Yeah. You know? And at the very least, cool fucking stories. Yeah. You know? Because we've all had some pretty cool stories, you know? Everybody's got a fucking story, man, you know? And this is just... It's exciting to just kick back, have a beer, talk to a fucking good bloke about this and not be scared to, to talk about dark shit. If, if we have to and, you know, if we need to and whatever because somebody will be out there listening 
And I get heaps out of watching podcasts, man. Some of them are great. I'm just, I'm either I'm learning, I'm learning something about myself, or learning away. I mean, God, how can you not listen to a Jocko podcast and just want to break shit when you get up? You know, <laughs> fuck yeah! You know, yeah. I just want to get up at four thirty in the morning tomorrow and just go and lift some heavy shit. You know? Yeah, they're getting up at four thirty. Lasts for about yeah. five minutes. I've never done it no. once. Not even. I look, yeah, the alarm goes off. I'm like, I'll go. I'll go lift heavy shit. I'll do that fucking day in day out. But four thirty can go get fucked. <laughs> Fire but, but, but the you know the point is is not the four thirty right. Yep. That's just him being a mother, you know, hard fucker. But the point is, just change tomorrow morning. Make it, make it, a, mm. just little incremental changes. And the other thing, the other thing about that I think is really important, it's very easy to get a bit overwhelmed and snowed under. It happens to me when I watch these podcasts of these epic fucking people, very yeah. successful people and whatever, and you're like, I am nothing like that. I'm Johnny Lehman over here, dude. Yeah. I'm not setting the fucking world on fire. You know, I haven't been a Navy SEAL. I haven't been in the SAS. So, you know, I, I don't... I'm not a, a physicist, you know, and I'm not a doctor almost solving cancer, you know. We're just regular working class people that are just struggling to, to get along. And so I feel as though, hopefully, people can generally come on to listening to this podcast and go and not have that overwhelming feeling because the people that I'm talking to have great stories but so do you and we have real tangible issues and problems that we're mental health wise that we're trying to deal with because it's the same as you down the road and the person listening and you and I talking and the next guest I have on and just regular real people and then sure some of these people hopefully eventually I know a couple of them I'll get them on to tell their stories. They are going to be the ones where people are like, holy shit, yeah. you know. And they are, because they are epic people, you know, they really served um, overseas and, you know, now climbing mountains and spending time in Antarctica doing hectic shit, you know. Like, they're going to be great to talk to. But in between, I'm going to find some fantastic people that are just like you and I and just like the people hopefully listening and watching that will be able to tell a story and... You're going to be able to enjoy it, relate to it, and not feel so distant yeah. from, from, you know, because you're just these epic people doing epic shit. And, I mean, you've met epic people like Mark, for example, going back to Mark, which I'm so glad I had him on as the first guest. I mean, what a yeah. ball terror. Such a genuine, lovely guy who's unassuming. Mm. And whatever else. He's about the only pilot that I know that when he walks in the room doesn't tell everybody he's a pilot. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and just... just But he's but he's an unassuming guy and he, he would never blow sunshine up his own ass and, and whatever. And a lot of these people, even the guys who have written books like this, they would they'd never do that ever. As far as they're concerned, they are general generally humble and, and regular normal people that just did some pretty extraordinary shit and... But otherwise, they're just like you and me. And look, to some extent, sure, they are. But they've got some pretty cool stories to back it up, you know. And not everybody can live a life like that. It just doesn't happen that way. That's yeah. not the way it works. I think it's good as know? well. Like, How many times have you sat back and you've watched a podcast or listened to a podcast and they've had someone on there who's just done some fucking outrageous shit, but you don't feel like you can connect to that episode or that that story or whatever, no. whatever's happened at that time. You feel... 
there's that disconnect. Whereas yeah. if you, you listen to some guests where it's that real organic, there's no, it, the fucking, the conversation just flies. And aside from the fact you're watching through your TV screen or, you know, there's a fucking camera there, there's a camera there or whatever, or, you know, you're listening to it on your radio, but you feel like you're part of that conversation. You feel like you're sitting at the table. Yeah, you feel like you could be, you there. could be that, per- like you, it yeah. is something you can really relate to. Whereas yeah. the rest, I feel like- the, Don't, the don't cal- wrong, having those people have got those fucking outlandish cool stories. You just want to sit back and go, Holy because that's entertaining, shit. right? Yeah, it's a difference. One one is hugely entertaining, yeah, um, or uh, entertaining or hugely um, uh, not knowledgeable, as in you're going to yeah. put like listening to a physicist try to explain the universe and dark matter and all of that. That is, you know, entertaining, but also um, g- you know, good for you, like for your knowledge and to try and take that yeah, in and really try to under yeah. your learning and understanding, and then. You know, and I, I, I think that the beauty of having a podcast where you will talk to anybody is you can have all of that. Yeah. And I, th- I do think Joe does – he does have guests on, but they're few and far between that you and I could probably relate to. Yeah. You know, because they're musicians or they're comedians or they're, you know – He also very walks well in different circles That's as well. true. That's true. His, his, his level of normal. Yeah. Or of – the, per- the person that he'd classify He's well as accomplished guy himself. Yeah, Very and that's well the accomplished thing because guy. he walks in circles that to him are normal. Yeah. But to everyone else are looking up as stardom. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. Um, shit, you watch his That motherfucker's out. worth a hundred and how much million dollars now? <laughs> oh, yeah, he won't say how much it is, that Spotify deal. Yeah. Well, it's a hundred mils, but he was <laughs> worth more before that anyway. Oh, fuck yeah. You know. Oh, shit, advertising revenue alone off of, the, um, off of YouTube was like 40 mil last year. Yeah, 30, 40 mil. Yeah. Dude's got he's doing all right. Sense. He's modest though. Like you know, he he doesn't down to earth about it. Yeah, he, and it, he's one of the first people he understands that he got to where he is because of others. Yeah, not so much because of him. And a lot of happy little accidents happen for him to end up where he is. Yeah, because most people. The thing is, most people know either Joe Rogan as the comedian, mm. Joe Rogan as Jiu-Jitsu. From his UFC or his UFC stuff, yeah. but it's very rare that people know him from the whole package sort of thing. Yeah, but here's the thing: at least with him, he always talks about where he was from humble beginnings yeah. that he worked hard and that's the point he's trying to make you work hard yes there's a bit of luck in 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 and amongst that and whatever else and you know some people and whatever but fuck it he's a hard worker mm. right and he cares about his crafts whatever it is whether it's jiu-jitsu or whatever he's and paid his dues to get to where he yeah. is yeah you know even even commentate he goes i wasn't i didn't know how to commentate I don't, I'm not a commentator, yeah. but he made himself a commentator for UFC because fuck it, there's no one doing the job. I'm just going to learn how to do learn it. Learn how to do it, yeah. Learn and he job. made it. He did. He's just fantastic commentator, and he stuck at it. So, and I mean, you look at some of the early UFCs that he was commentating. You just listen to it, like, yeah, dude, just just <laughs> stop, <laughs> just relax. Yeah. You could tell he was how, learning on the go. You could tell it into a fight he was getting by how red his face was going. <laughs> his fucking veins are popping out, popping on his head. <laughs> I, I swear, my I veins are popping out because I need. <laughs> I need a piss anyway um, Listen man We should wrap this up It's been I don't even know How many hours Doesn't matter Two yeah. hours 49 minutes Holy oh. shit There you go Only Three hours bro <laughs> It goes fast When you just Mate, talk shit eh? And we'll have to do it again man Fuck yeah I'm keen We'll have it. to do it again Thank you so much brother <laughs> I really appreciate it Ah oh, it's good fun man Yeah It's good to see you Doing something you're happy with As well Oh mate so. I, It just brings me so much joy It's made my whole day So Appreciate it, brother. Thanks very much. We'll talk soon. See you, Nick.